welcome to episode 34 of Random Encounter, the Dark Souls podcast. I'm your host, Robert Simon, Pale Robbie on the boards, back from his trip to Lordran, tired as all hell, but very happy that I played this game. Joining me today, we have fellow adventurer, and his review will hopefully be up on the site pretty soon. Kyle E. Miller. Kyle and I agree on a game, everybody. This is, uh, this is an important historic moment right now. Dark Souls has brought us together. That's scary. Uh, we have another fellow adventurer who is in the midst of kind of a hiatus, but he's going to get back into it. I am the Bat. You're not even playing Batman yet. I know, I'm not. But I'm Steven, and I'm Talos on the boards. Oh, boy. And we have the man who just braved Sen's Fortress. And died in the process. Uh, this is Zach, super flat on the boards. Everybody so- sounds so exhausted. But that's the thing. Like we're going to talk about Dark Souls right now. This is this is kind of our Dark Souls big podcast, and I, I think exhausted definitely says it. I mean, I, I played this game for about eleven days. It took me like eleven or twelve days to beat it, and I have never been this exhausted, this emotional playing a game. Like I finished this game, and it was the first you know ray of sunlight in my in my life for almost 2 weeks this game took my life over every like thought i had during the day was about dark souls and what i needed to do and now Kyle you also finished the game did you feel that same level of like oppression and immersion absolutely i it just i couldn't think about anything else and it, it was intense it's almost painful in a way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, this is not a game. You know, I said it in my review that th- this is not a game for everyone, and I, this isn't a game about you know who's hardcore, who's tough, who who's you know a badass when it comes to video games. This is this is a very much a game of do you want a game that's going to challenge you, that's going to take over your life, that's going to ask you to put forth almost a hundred percent effort. If you don't want to do any of those things, do not Go play Skyrim. this game. Go play Skyrim, and that's not a knock on Skyrim. That's not or saying on Dark Souls that. or a knock on Dark Souls. It's not. It's just Dark Souls is very much. This is the first game since Silent Hill Two that I was honestly hesitant to put into my video game console because I knew what it was going to do to me emotionally. I knew that this was going to be oppressive. You you have this feeling that you are the one ray of light in this world of just darkness and death. Prior to being stabbed in the back. Yes, prior to being stabbed in the back. And I think that that's... Twice. Yes. It really shows something special about this game, and it's not a it's not a game for everyone. Now, um, you know, just giving a quick overview, this is the quote spiritual successor to Demon Souls. Uh, they couldn't use Demon Souls two because they don't own the license. Uh, so this is from Software's you know dark fantasy game. You start out as a zombie. So any game that does that, pretty awesome. And I, I'll warn everyone right now, you know, we're not going to go too spoilerific. We're going to Try to keep it vague. We're not going to talk about specific parts. We'll maybe just talk about you know generalities of the game. But you start out the game. You're in an asylum. So just the first five minutes of the game, you're in an asylum that they house the undead in, and you're tasked with escaping. And you know you get out. You're kind of walking around in your loincloth, and you you look kind of dingy and whatnot. And then you walk into a room, and a giant demon drops in. So he punches you in the face, and you die. 
Well, unless you're like me and you knew that you're supposed to run from it and then you run away. And so the game goes about, you know, reminding you what the Demon Souls style combat is. You, uh, you know, you equip a shield. It's very much, you know, not a game about combos. It's about keeping your shield up, goddammit, and making sure that you don't drop your defenses, waiting for Pop an in opening. to catch a hit, you know, here and there. Yep. Waiting for an opening. Uh, you still control very similar uh, left analog stick to move around, right analog stick to move the camera. L1 for shield, R1 for attack. It, I, I know a lot of people really don't like the control scheme. I know John said in his original Demon Souls review that he wasn't really a fan of the controls. Am I the only one that really likes the control scheme? I mean, it has, I think it works perfectly. It, it like works I have great. zero problems with it. The the nice thing I like how they kind of unconventionally bind the attack stuff to the to the triggers because it allows you to manipulate the camera. Uh, when you really do need to, or at the very least, if you're not playing with the camera and you're locked on, you can then like fiddle with the the, the items and stuff on the face buttons. It works really well. Yeah, it, it can be cumbersome at times. Like it, you might, uh, it takes a little getting used to when it comes to like equipping a bow and arrow and whatnot, mm-hmm. but and maybe switching your your offhand weapon to like something that you can use to cast magic. So I, I can see little areas that could use mm-hmm. a, a, some minor ironing out, but overall, I mean, it allows for very precise movement. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the one thing that I would say is that they added a couple of uh, uh, things like the kick attack and the leaping attack that you can do by pressing forward and R one or forward and L one or. Uh, R2 on the PS3. You and had those, the kick attack very, originally. In, did you? Yeah, you had, the, you had the t- kick attack originally, but not the leaping attack. And, and But either way, those are like kind of finicky when you're trying to get them to work. And like in between like when you're rolling around or if you're just standing still and you press circle to dodge, you could jump backwards off of the edge of a cliff, yeah, which I've that, done on occasion. That's definitely one aspect of the game is like mm-hmm. you really need this precise movement because they put you in some precarious situations. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Walking across all, this very narrow plank. Yes. While being shot at with tree trunk arrows or <laughs> poison uh, darts, poison darts, or just also someone's invaded your world and is trying to push you off. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot going on and it's definitely this this feeling that this whole world is out to get you and so after you get through the opening area you get to the main uh, you get to the main junction point of the whole game which is the firelink shrine and from firelink from firelink shrine you can go to three different areas everyone seems to go to the graveyard first <laughs> i think it's because the graveyard is the easiest one to access like you just walk over there like oh okay it's the most immediately visible because you can like see where you're going from there, and the other one's just kind of like this ominous staircase actually, up. And yeah, I actually didn't even see the graveyard <laughs> for a while, <laughs> and I was like, you "Oh, there's lucky. something over here." You were lucky though, because I, I think yeah, I guess everybody has said it before. They they said it on the A4 Play podcast. They said it on Weekend Confirmed. Everybody has said it that like somebody made the mistake of going down to the skeleton uh, graveyard. I think our a fellow editor Liz. I think she went down there too, and she and fought her way all the way to the catacombs at the start of the game. And I'm like, you're nuts. Mm. You're not supposed to be going there right now. <laughs> I believe Derek did as well. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, maybe that's why Derek isn't liking the game right now. Yeah, we we told him to go back yeah go back and so you you get down there and it's very much you know we're, we're all trained that 
a skeleton is kind of a mook enemy in most games. They're kind of like lowest of the low, not very difficult. Yeah, these skeletons just F your whole day up. Like they just – they claw you. They just hit so hard. They can repost your attacks. And even worse, if you keep going down to the catacombs, they regenerate, which yeah. is – which is just like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be going down there. Then maybe you decide, okay, I'm going to go down to the new Londo ruins, and I'm going to go look at this area. And you get down there, and there are ghosts. Ghosts that you can't attack unless you're cursed. And so then they kill you, and you finally figure out, okay, maybe I'm supposed to go up this cliffside into the undead burg where the enemies are reasonable level and everything's kind of toned down a little bit. But that's one of the beauties of this game is that when they said that Dark Souls is this huge world that's all interconnected, they meant it. And Stephen, you had a perfect assessment of the game, and I'm going to let you do it. Uh, I said it's what Castlevania would have been if it was made in 3D and done correctly. And it, he is 100% right. This is a Metroidvania, whatever you want to call it. This is a, a linked world. It's not an open world. It's not like you know Arkham City or Grand Theft Auto. It's very much separated into discrete areas with shortcuts and paths that you'll open up and everything is interconnected when you realize that the um that the blight town is connected to the valley of the drakes which is connected to the new londo ruins which is connected to this that and the other thing there's this real sense that you are in this world and i think that's one of the best aspects of this game is that even though you don't have a map which I'm kind of conflicted on because at moments there were moments I wanted a map. But even though you don't have one, you come to know this world inside and out more than any other game I've played. Yeah, like, I mean, I know my way around every area I've been to perfectly. Yep, I could – I can find my way – when you first get to the depths, which is your obligatory sewer level. But in all fairness, this is probably the best sewer level I've ever played in a video game. When you get down to the depths – you are initially confused and disoriented and you don't and if you're like me you maybe fell through some pits and you mm -hmm. ended up with some really nasty enemies around you. Yeah. But that eventually you figure out the whole area and you know exactly where you are. And there was a moment where I had to take out a specific enemy that was making my life a living hell during a boss fight and maybe I'm the only one that didn't take that enemy out beforehand and he makes the he makes the boss almost impossible. And so I had to find him, and I was like, well, I know he's above me, so I'm just going to keep traveling up. And sure enough, I got to him, and I was able to take him out. So it's like my own personal navigation without having like an iPhone or a GPS or you know some other map system, I was able to find that enemy. And that shows me that the level design in this game, for the most part, is rock solid. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably the best level design in an RPG it, possibly ever and it's so rewarding when you find that shortcut to another area oh yeah or when the yeah, game you're like oh i never have to run through that area again or when the game eventually gives you the ability to warp between certain bonfires to to cut down on some of the tedium of travel there's just this constant sense of reward for exploration and whenever you explore you find new enemies you find new weapons you find new items the game is constantly patting you on the back for walking 
walking around the environment mm. and finding things. And I have not played a game like that in a very long time. And I think more so than Demon Souls, this game is a lot friendlier with how uh, it, there's moments in Demon Souls where you just because it's a linear path, you're going to have to fight this really tough enemy or you're going to have to go through this really nasty part. Those parts are present in Dark Souls, but there's almost always a way around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a way mm-hmm. to make your life easier. Except when the frame rate's chugging. We're, we're going to get to those technical issues. We're going to mm-hmm. get there. Um, the other so, thing... I, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, too, um, I mean, it's... That's actually something, like, a lot of people have been comparing it to Skyrim. And, I mean, if you haven't played it, I could see why you might make that comparison, because they're both big, expansive RPGs. But especially after playing it, they are completely different. And I... That's why I feel like it sucks this season because you'll go on a message board or you'll go on like an article about Skyrim or Dark Souls and all the people in the comments are like, oh, I would get Dark Souls if it had better co-op or I would get Dark Souls, you know, if, you know, it had a fast travel option or something like that. And yeah, they're not even in the same. I mean, they're as far away on the same spectrum, on the on the same genre as you can possibly be. Yeah, Skyrim is about. Yeah, go roam around in the world and have some fun. Dark Souls is about you better watch your ass. Yeah, and I, I think Skyrim is a simulator of, you know, or at least the other Elder Scrolls games, and most likely Skyrim, are simulators about a fantasy world where you're going around and participating in it and talking to people and learning their problems and going out and solving quests. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dark Souls is a pain simulator. Or better yet, it's a purgatory simulator. The only problem you're trying to solve in Dark Souls is how to avoid getting toasted every five seconds. Yep. It's purgatory. I mean, the the entire nature of the game, because you're going to die a lot, the game tells you to prepare to die. The whole game is about... (laughs) The whole game is about death and rebirth. And about dying and learning from your mistakes and coming back. And you have to make peace with that right away. But that's... But that's one of the most satisfying things about it is that people, you know, you hear about it in all the reviews too. You know, you die over and over again, but whenever you make progress in that game, it's more satisfying than any other game I've played this year. I, I would, mean, I would agree. When you get past something in Dark Souls, you're, you 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 breathe that sigh of relief and you pick up the treasure and you get your huge boatload of souls and you're like, oh yeah, I'm the man or woman, depending on you know who you are. I would definitely agree, and I think that they've they've ironed out some of the issues from Demon Souls. One of the huge additions to the game is the bonfire system, mm-hmm. where you're going around and you get to rest at a bonfire and level up, and you know you can reverse the fact that you're undead and become human, and that allows you to summon people into your world. Uh, it takes a resource called humanity, which the game doesn't do a very good job of telling you that humanity is something that you'll earn either through helping other people or finding it in the environment. Once you have humanity, you can become human. Once you're human, you can kindle a bonfire to give you more uh, life potions because you uh, get a restock of potions every time you rest at a bonfire. Like humanity is huge. Uh, It also plays into how your drop rate on items. So if you're going to go out and try to farm items, you want to have as much humanity as possible. So, yeah, see, I didn't have – so if you're human, you get more stuff. But if you have more humanity, you also get a better drop rate? Right, exactly. Even if you're not human. Even if you're not human, the more humanity that you have, the better your drop rate. But I think mm-hmm. in human form, you have the highest – like it's a huge bonus, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Okay. I'm not – yeah, but either way, all that humanity that you're holding that's boosting your drop rate, if you die, you lose that. It goes into your blood stain with your soul. So it's yep. it's kind of this risk-reward like, oh, can I actually farm these enemies that are kind of easy to that's... avoid? But if I get hit, I'll get killed in one shot mm-hmm. or – 
maybe I should just play an easier game. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the bonfire system, I think, cuts down on the biggest pain in the ass part from Demon Souls, where, you know, but the fact that it was a straight linear path through the levels, if yep. you died on the boss, you have to go through the whole freaking level all over Absolutely. again. Absolutely. See? And that's what I think separates the two games because I never beat Demon Souls. I didn't think Demon Souls was very fun, and I just got frustrated with it and quit. And I think it was because of that repetition, and just the loss of progress, the almost constant loss of progress. Yeah, which I, the bonfire I, system basically just erases. Yeah, I feel like Dark Souls. It's a lot less like maybe grindy. You still do a little bit to get souls or to level up or to find something, but it's there's less tedium in Dark Souls because you're always not very far from getting back to what you need to do. It's yep. it's almost as easy as just like looking at the the Estus flask, you know, your your life recovery system. There's there's no more kind of worrying about, oh, well, if I'm just going to die in the next 3 seconds, then is it worth eating this this, you know, like grass or whatever to recover Actually, my health? Um and and now because, you know, like you have a a certain amount of Estus flask, it becomes a strategic like, well, I need to use this, but I also need to get through the level. But it doesn't matter in the long run because I'll get to another bonfire eventually and that's I'll have actually, my flask back. Yeah, that that's something actually I didn't even expect with the game that I think is one of the best changes is yeah, the whole too. you never won't have a healing item. You always have yep. access to healing because every time you die, it resets. You can expand how much healing you have. And you so you make don't it stronger. Feel, yeah, you don't feel like you're yeah. screwing yourself by like – if you're not sure if you're going to get stabbed around the corner, you don't feel quite as bad about popping that potion down to make sure you're at max health. Yep. Exactly. And so the bonfire and the Essence Flask combined, I think, makes Dark Souls a better game. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. I think that it, it irons out the issues. The game is very friendly. Like, after you go through a particularly hard section, start looking for a bonfire because it's probably there. The bonfires yep. are placed out pretty nicely. There's maybe only a couple parts in the game where there, I was like, I could really use one right now, and I'm not anywhere close. There was one section, actually. I'm I'm currently in Blighttown, and I finished everything other than Blighttown that I can at the moment. I'm going to ring the second bell. And I, got, I was in Blighttown, and I haven't found a bonfire there yet. So there's two bonfires in Blighttown. There's one above on, like, the upper area, and then there's one on the lower area right, like, in the Poison Swamp. And I'll help you find those, Steven, so don't worry about that. Yeah, that'd be cool. See, because what actually happened um, is I left uh, the, the sewers. Um, I left them, and I was co-oping with some guy, and we were running around Blighttown. And I guess you can't activate the fire when the your partner yeah. is in a fight. Mm-hmm. So I found a bonfire, sure enough, but then he died. I'm halfway in Blighttown uh, with like 10,000 souls because, you know, I'm a jackass. And um, I died, and I got sent all the way back to the depth. And then I went to go back to Blighttown, and then on the way there, I got cursed. So I had to leave the depths and get uncursed. And then I went back, and then I died on the way to Blighttown again and lost my souls again. <laughs> <laughs> Blighttown, um, I, I don't want to talk about technical issues right now, but Blighttown, I think, kind of exemplifies one issue that I have with this game. I think it, like we're saying, it does a lot of things better. I really like the new potion implementation. I didn't think I'd like it. I really didn't think I'd like that because, you know, having an almost endless supply of grass was very comforting, but I think that this also heightens the risk reward system. And comforting to a lot of college yes. students too. <laughs> and, the, uh, and also the bonfires you know they're placed so well they're usually right before a boss fight or at least a pretty easy section before you get to a boss fight yeah. they're, they're placed very well yeah. for the most part 
the only real issue that I had with this game, and it, it's going to be weird to talk about this because, you know, you're playing a game, you're playing Dark Souls, you know it's going to be hard. I do feel like there are some areas in the game where it goes from hard and rewarding to cheap and frustrating. And some of the sections are like um, th – there's one section uh, in the upper city of An An Orlando. I'm not going to go into specifics, but there are archers that shoot tree trunk arrows at you, and you're walking along a very narrow path. And if they hit you, they're most likely going to knock you off and to your death. There's also uh, a section where you're fighting some really tough skeletons that don't really seem to care when you attack them, and they hit really hard, and they can stunlock you and kill you. There are bosses that can stunlock and kill you, or they have area of effect attacks that if you didn't get out of the way quick enough, it's going to auto-kill you. Like there, There's some parts in the game where I'm just sitting there going like, huh, that's a little frustrating, and I... I know that this is this is supposed to be a hard game, but I do think at times it dips over into cheap territory. Now, am I the only one that feels that? I, I think that we should pr probably double back on our statement that this has the best level design in an RPG in a while and has some of the best level design. It might be a, a more correct, more apt well, Which statement. areas are you talking about that are really bad? I Well, I think, I mean... Aside from technical issues, Blight Town also has its fair share of just like completely backwards, like running around and stuff. But like just like some of some of the issues, Capra. Oh my! Uh, that God. that room, right. I, if you can call it I a level, actually, I gotta stop you guys there. What is wrong with the Capra if Demon? If you walk, the okay. So, so the, the Capra Demon is an early boss fight with an enemy that later on becomes a regular enemy in the game. Uh, it, so you walk in, and the Capra Demon is this big, bull-headed, tailed mother effer with giant butcher knives. So he's already, like, a decent foe. He's already, you know, pretty hard to deal with. Now we're going to throw two little doggy enemies in the room that spin the camera around spastically if you happen to target them and leave you completely open to the Capra Demon's attacks. We're going to take those two elements and then combine one of the smallest boss areas I've ever seen in a video game. If you walk into that Capra Demon room and you get caught on a wall between a dog and the Capra Demon, you're done. You can die so fast in that room that you don't even have a chance to collect yourself. I, I did. I mean, I know the room is small, but I felt like it was. I walked in, and the dogs kind of run at you. You stab the dogs, and they're dead. And then you run up the stairs. He chases you up the stairs. You stab him a few times. Right. You jump. But you, you got, roll off the you top got of the, the staircase. key of the whole thing. You killed the dogs right away. If the dogs hold back, or if the capper demon runs straight at you to start the fight, it's over. Like if if yeah. See, one go ahead, pal. For me, one of the dogs always stayed back. Right, and I only had one that ran forward, and then the Capra Demon mm -hmm. does like his jumping attack. So now you're trying to deal with right. the dog. You're trying to deal with the Capra Demon. The game is just not designed to handle that. This is this is very much a Z targeting, you know, Zelda style combat system where one on one fights are very rewarding and very intense. You start getting more enemies around you, and your odds of death just shot straight through the roof. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess I uh, I guess I also had uh, magic, so I shot the second. The first wolf rushed me, and the second wolf I just shot him with soul arrow. Yeah, or whatever and it was. see, I had no magic. I was a knight, 
during that fight. Like I, I was still in my like starting equipment and whatnot. And that fight just really shows, I think, the limitations. And the combat in this game is great, but there are points where it gets really limited. Like the camera can really spaz out when you target on someone. Like w one of the yeah. later bosses in the game, like every FAQ online says, do not target him. Because if you target him, the camera spazzes out and you're surrounded by flaming hot liquid magma and you'll, liquid and you'll magma. die. Like, and, and that's that's a limitation of the game's engine. And the Capper Demon just, you know, I, you know, I about flipped out on that fight. I could not believe it. It was already super frustrating. But then to add in the dog enemies that are already pretty difficult, they're pretty hard to fight. And then a super small area, that fight is really ridiculous. Like, it, it's a bad point huh. in the game. See, for me, I haven't gotten to a point in the game yet where I felt like the difficulty's been unfair, but then again, I haven't rung the second bell yet, I guess, so I haven't gotten yeah, to those. you're going to get there. Yet. I never felt... Maybe only one area I felt was unfair. Which area was that without um, getting too specific? On Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> the, the tree I think it's the archers. cheapest... The cheapest area in the game overall. That was like the only time that I was actually like angry at the game itself and not like things in the game. Um, but I always felt that the level design, even like even Blight Town and the, the the toxic snipers, and I always thought that it was very clever and insidious without being terribly yeah. unfair. You know what gets me with those toxic snipers in Blight Town? It's not that they can snipe you. It's that their little darts make no yeah, sound. Yeah, you're just suddenly poisoned. Yeah, you're sitting there, and then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, why is my poison going up? And then as you're sitting there trying to figure out why you're poisoned, you get hit by another one, and then you're yeah, fully poisoned. Yeah, and it's poisoned. not only poison, it's toxin, which like saps your energy even faster. And it kills you so fast yeah. that you don't even have a chance to respond. There's that area that was frustrating but as you guys were telling me use uh, guys as you guys was telling me in the pre-show warm-up like those enemies once you kill them they don't respawn which is another cool thing about right. this game not every enemy respawns the cert like the really tough ones don't come back which is kind of nice i mean it, it gives you incentive to you know press your luck and take them out but then there's um the skeleton beasts in uh the tomb of the giants oh my god not only are they freaky as hell because you just hear this dog-like panting as you're walking around but these enemies are so freaking tough and if you make one mistake they just they get right up on you and they just start attacking you they hit super hard and you're in an area where you're trying not to fall for to your death that place is an absolute luckily nightmare. there's only like four or five of those guys so you can get through yeah. it and they put a bonfire like right at the halfway point which was really freaking nice of them but that part of the game was just like – that's when I gave up on using straight combat and I started to make the switch to pyromancy. And the the mm. flame spells in this game, I mean they don't kill everything. Like certain bosses are not affected at all by fire and you can kind of figure it out pretty fast because they're surrounded by fire. But uh, the pyromancy spells really help you out and you start to realize that magic is very, very useful in this game. And Kyle, how did that work out for you? <laughs> Because you weren't using magic, were you? Nope. The game doesn't do a really good job of telling you that, does it? <laughs> no, I went with a dexterity-based fighter, which I think was a mistake. Certain um, certain items get dex boosts, but I think overall you, you kind of have to become a jack-of-all-trades yeah. in this game. Even though you start out with a character class, eventually you kind of have to pick up a little bit of magic, 
maybe a, a little bit of fighting skill, maybe a long-range weapon. Eventually, you need a weapon that is divine, and I'm not going to tell you why, but it makes life very, very helpful. Uh, that, see, Go ahead, Stephen. Um, Divinity, I actually had a question about that, too. I have this halberd that I've been nursing since the beginning of the game, and I maxed it out pretty quickly. And then I got the ember to make it divine, and then it says I need, like, a green titanite shard. You can... You can and buy guess, those uh, from a guy later on in the game. Pretty sure. Pretty okay. sure. Okay. And so, is divi- making a weapon divine? Is that just basically making it the next level up, or no, is it there, actually? No, there's different it- tiers. You can make divine weapons, occult weapons, uh, enchanted weapons, and they, they add different bonuses. Divine serves a very specific purpose, and I'll tell you after the show. I don't want to give it away, but it, okay. it serves a very specific purpose, and it's really freaking helpful. And and that's I think that's the big thing. I I want to keep talking about uh, difficulty for a second, and then and then we'll get to where I think the best aspect of the game is. But the difficulty there were difficulty spikes in Demon Souls. Like I've said it before, and I'll say it again: the Flame Lurker for a melee character is a total pain in the ass if you don't glitch him. <laughs> he. He is such a pain in the ass if you don't glitch him because eventually he gets to about a third of his health and he just starts jumping around like an idiot and he he just – he never responds to any of your attacks. Now, if you're a magic user, you just end him. There's also the blue dragon at the end of the game where it's kind of like, pray to God he doesn't roast you. Oh, he roasted you. Try it again. There's nothing that bad in Dark Souls, but there are some areas where you're just looking at the game and going, huh. Or you die and you go. <laughs> you just kind of giggle at yourself a little bit, but uh, but overall, and, and it kind of extends to the uh, to the boss. Are you still laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing at the pictures accent because it's got Knight Solaire and the sun on his shirt is wearing sunglasses. <laughs> but the uh, there are bosses in the game that are really freaking easy, and then there are bosses that are like super insanely hard, and I I don't know what that's all about but it kind of says to me that i i feel that this game needed a little bit more time to fine-tune the difficulty like some of the later demon lord fights in the game are really simple and then early fights like the capra demon are insane so they there are just points where it's like what is with this difficulty and then it's nothing and then the bigger issue are the technical problems where absolutely it's the reason why you know i wanted to give the game a higher score I really did because I probably would have given Demon Souls a 90 as well, and I think Dark Souls is a better game overall. But I could not justify giving this game a higher score with the horrible, pain-inducing frame rate problems, especially in Blight Town, where the game just they're, crawls to the single digits. Mm-hmm. And they're not everywhere, and that's the thing is that fortunately those areas don't last long enough that it totally ruins the game. But it's frustrating enough because you really can't afford to have a lower frame rate in like Blight Town because you'll get into those situations where there's two dudes chasing you, there's the dude shooting darts at you, and you're crossing a very narrow two by four over a cliff. And if you fall off, your souls are going to follow the bottom of that cliff and you're never going to get them back. And then you combine that with um, there's also a lot of glitches where, like, uh, I know this happened to Steven one time. It actually happened to him on the last podcast where he died, but the game didn't reset. Or you'll get locked in the environment, or an enemy will be able to hit you through the wall. Like, th- there are points where the game's ambition clearly, you know, was too high, and it kind of fell back on a technical side. And uh, to me, this game yeah. needed a little bit more time to polish. And he- here's like a, an example of that too: is 
I fought the gaping dragon and I was fighting with another guy and basically we kicked his ass. But then halfway through the fight, the gaping dragon like fell on me and my character should have died. But instead of dying, I basically got frozen in an animation and couldn't move. But the other guy could move and the gaping dragon could move and I wasn't dying. So he killed the gaping dragon and it ended the fight. But then nothing happened to me. So I had to quit out of the game. I had to literally quit out to the PlayStation menu, go back. And then when I finally loaded in, I died, lost all of my souls that I had gotten from the gaping dragon. And when I went back, my soul stain wasn't there. And I mean, I, that was like, I had like four humanity and like 30,000 souls. You get a lot for killing the gaping dragon. That, that seems to be a a spot that people are using to farm souls right now is uh, going in and helping each other on that. But like there are, that's a good idea. I didn't even think of that. That's a good idea. I'm a thinker. Uh, there's definitely there's definitely technical issues that I think show that this game needed a little bit more time, and I they've said that they're going to patch it, so I'm hoping that they'll fix some of the problems. There is an it, there is an yeah. infinite soul glitch, which is really frustrating if you're a PvP person. That because yeah, you're gonna die because people have literally been farming hundreds of millions of souls. That's not cool. Uh, so they need to go back and. F- that's not, That's cool. not cool. They kind of need to go back and fix that. So, um, you know, I, I love Dark Souls, but there that's one of those things that just really frustrated me. So, yeah, yeah. The, the technical problems are definitely regrettable, particularly the frame rate dropping, which never I don't think ever killed me. But it was definitely like you shouldn't have to contend with you it. had to, like, move the camera to where it was less frame rate drop than, you know, and it was just. Worse than Blighttown, I think. A few other areas as well. Yeah. Just, it shouldn't no. have been there. I, it shouldn't have been there. But in all fairness, the game does look significantly better than Demon's Souls. It looks much, much better. And I, and I do appreciate the sense of scale, because I think that's one of the, one of the coolest things about it. So I definitely wouldn't trade no, that. No, and I, I'm hoping that... Or, I'm hoping that they're able to iron it out. We'll, we'll see what's likely there. I'm yeah. hoping that they also... Go well, ahead. If you were... If you recall, too, in Demon Souls, I mean, there were some serious glitches oh, yeah. in that game before. Like, and the thing is, we had such a big gap of time between getting it in the U.S. that they had time to iron them all out of the Japanese right. version. When Demon Souls came came out, I mean, it was pretty pretty busted. Yeah. And it, it it took nine months for us to get it in America. Yeah. So imagine in nine months, I'm sure they'll have everything working. Oh yeah. Souls. And I, you know, uh, the other issue, I kind of wish that we had dedicated servers. But uh, Stephen and I were talking about that w- way back when. That it's kind of a sign that, that they don't want to get into the problem that Atlas is in right now, where Atlas wants to turn off the Demon Soul servers, and they also don't want to screw over their customers. So it's using a peer-to-peer yeah. client, and it's really been difficult to get people into my world. I've had a lot of summon failures. And that that that's a shame yeah. because you're missing out on what I think is the best part of this game, which is the multiplayer. And the multiplayer takes away the game's difficulty because when you and another dude are walking around dealing with you know tree trunk shooting arrow bastards, or arrow or bastards. the uh, or the two bosses in An Orlando that are just ridiculously strong. It irons out the difficulty problems, but Kyle, you you didn't really enjoy that. You you wanted to beat these guys on your own, didn't you? I did. Um, I think it's just a personal thing. I don't really like multiplayer games. I like doing things without help. You know, I don't like looking at FAQs most of the time. I just like doing things by myself. I think it's a personality thing. On the other hand, I really think that the multiplayer capabilities are really unique and definitely bring something 
brings some sort of evolution to multiplayer in RPGs, but I just they're a double-edged I also sword thought for me. you're not relying on them quite as much as Demon Souls. There are some fights in Demon Souls that you really need a partner, like the Penetrator. It always comes back to the Penetrator. It always comes back to the Penetrator and the Ceaseless Discharge. Why does it always come back to this? But like the Penetrator fight, it, you need a partner because he can just pour the pain oh, on and now luckily they allow you to get a partner in the actual narrative of the game there but there are other boss fights uh that you really want to have another person helping you with and i think uh dark souls not so much as much as i despise the final boss of dark souls and that's one of the most tedious and obnoxious stunlock fights i've ever had i did it myself and i was able to beat him but I, there was never a point where I was like, wow, I absolutely positively need help. The two bosses in Anna Orlando that give everyone trouble, I think I can take them right now. On my new game plus, I think I can take them because I know how they attack. They're not actually that hard until you kill one and then the other one gets stu- gets stupid strong. It gets angry. Right, but there's nothing, there's nothing that you require an extra player, and the game even gives you the opportunity to summon AI partners, which is really nice. Like you have the opportunity to summon the Knight Solaire if you really need him. Yeah, I like that. It was a nice yeah. touch. Yeah, well, the Knight there, there a player. There's Knight Solaire, and then there's uh, like there's a witch that you can summon outside of a couple of boss fights and a couple uh, around. They're scattered around if you kind of like search for these hidden. Soul yeah, sometimes. and that's very helpful. And and again, that plays into the constantly rewarding you for exploration. And I think that's the best part of the game. Mm. And you know, obviously, mm. when you start making some of the kick-ass weaponry, because the game is a much more about upgrading weapons this time than uh, Demon Souls was. Like you can use some of your starting equipment for most of the game. I recommend everyone figure out how to get a hold of the Drake Sword because that makes life a hell of a lot easier for the opening parts of the game. But you're, you're really you're rewarded for upgrading weapons this time, and you know, game doesn't do a perfect job of telling you that. But as you start to figure it out, that becomes really important. Uh, God, I love this game. I really do. Like for all the anger I had and the fact that my PlayStation controller got five feet off the ground after I threw it on a carpeted floor. Rob, you need I management. got so angry with this game at times. Like, yeah. I, I almost thought I was done. Like, I, I reached a point where I thought I was done. I was so angry. I was so pissed off. And I was just like, I don't know if I can finish this. And I think maybe because Kyle was playing it too, I felt pushed forward. But I, I managed to do it. But I was constantly glad that I did. It was like, for that one really bastardly hard obnoxious section you get to a part that is just absolutely awesome like the game the game rewards you for persistence like it 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 knows full well that it's trying to piss you off some of my favorite areas like the the duke's archive and the crystal cave and sent or the fight or or the fight with oh my god that fight with sif was awesome and uh sen's fortress i think is one of the best designed areas i've ever seen a level that makes you super paranoid, but also very careful in the best possible way. I mean, there are awesome, awesome sections of this game. I just think it's a shame that because there are areas that maybe could have used a little bit more work or there's just really insidious crap designed to annoy you, those sections are what stick out in your mind, unfortunately. You you don't remember the awesome parts. You remember the obnoxious parts, you know? But... (laughs) 
you guys stop posting funny pictures? I, I can try. Children. Oh, <clears throat> so overall, we like this game. We do. It's I love great. It. We like it quite a bit. Is there anything else we want to say about it, or are we pretty much... Oh, this is funny. <laughs> I'd like to say that as much as I love this game, um, and it does so many things right, I don't want every game to be like this. In fact, I don't know if I want any other game to be like right. this. Right. I mean, it, it becomes a question of, do we actually want another game? Uh, another... Uh, <laughs> another Dark Souls. And I don't know if I would like another one. Just not right. I don't know if I want another one. Honestly. Yeah, I don't know. At all? I mean, I've kind of, you know, I I could see this falling into a rut. I want to see something. I mean, yeah. I want to see something new. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to bag on From Software, but how many freaking Armor Core games do we have? You know, I don't want... But those aren't particularly right. Good. But I, I don't want this to become a yearly thing, not only for my own sanity, but also because I think that's what makes it so special. I think Dark Souls is a better game than Demon Souls. I think it plays better, and I think it's—I love the world design. But you know, it, there's something special about it. And when you play like your fourth or fifth Metroidvania in a row, you start to lose that specialness. And I—I I would like to see. I, yeah. That's true, but I don't feel like they would continually hash out the same no, thing. No, I think they case. would change things. And I, as long as there was enough of a change, like, you know, we're gearing up for the sequel season right now. And, you know, I know I talk about Assassin's Creed a lot, but like Revelations, I'm kind of, I'm interested, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, you guys need to do something new. Like, think about the jump between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Like, yeah, but I mean, at least you're going to have Uncharted 3, though. Wow, I mean, you that's are pretty such a jerk. Change, <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I would like to see a sequel, but I would like to see new stuff in the sequel. I don't want it to just be, here's a new area to go explore. And not for yeah. a while. Maybe. Yeah, you know, I don't want it in a year because I don't think my blood pressure could take it. I don't. Yeah. I mean, granted, Demon or Demon Souls was two years ago. Well, Demon so. Souls was almost three years ago. If you can't. Japanese. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you look at it, if you Yeah, look they at took that, a long but... time to make this. It was funny because when it was announced, my initial reaction was, wow, this is coming out pretty fast. And I had to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That game came out in like January in Japan back in 2008. Like, uh, yeah, they've, uh, 2009. Yeah, 2009. Nine, they've nine. almost had three years to make this. So, you know, they yeah. had obviously been working on it. And I think it's already mm-hmm. sold very well. I don't know how many of those people are going to enjoy it. I think it's. I think there's a morbid curiosity about the game right now that, you know, some people. I, one of my students picked it up because I was talking about it in class. It was a chance to say de- ceaseless discharge while I was uh, teaching, and mm-hmm. <laughs> while you're in command of the children. <laughs> but to not say it in a bad way. I mean, it, it. You know, it's not. That's the name of the enemy. I didn't name him. Uh, and he went out and picked it up, and I'm like, you know, Hunter, I don't know if you're gonna want to play this. <laughs> like. This is not a pleasant experience of a game. Like, I walked in on Monday, and I had beaten it on Friday night. I walked in on Monday, and they were like, how you doing, Mr. Stein? And I'm like, I beat it. They are like, yay! Yeah. I was like, yeah, I beat that game. I don't know if I ever want to play it again. And now I'm playing it again. <laughs> you need to try the new game plus, Kyle. You need to try it. No. Dude, it's no. like every enemy gets a power <laughs> boost. You can do it. You can do it. No, you can, you do, can it. do it. It's good. I'd rather play Professor Layton, which cannot kill me. <laughs> well, I mean, but but technically you don't you know. die in Demon's Souls. You die, but there's no game over. 
Which is kind of unique. You know what I mean. The game just takes away your souls. But... Okay, Professor Layton doesn't tell me that I've died. <laughs> okay. He just goes, times? jolly good there. You fell over the side of a cliff. <laughs> so we like Dark Souls, huh? Is everyone is everyone going to yeah. finish it? I, I definitely will. Um, I will as, definitely long as, as long as it doesn't throw me into a depression that, that kills I myself. Wish, I, I honestly <laughs> wish I hadn't been playing it for review because I wouldn't have been – I wouldn't have felt the time – uh, constraint to beat it and get the review up on the site. I wish I had taken more time to enjoy it. And there, there were days where I was like, I think I need a break, but at the same time, I want to get through this section so I can review the game. So I, I wish I had kind of played it without reviewing it, and I think it would have been a more pleasant experience. This is not a game that you, you, you can't storm through this game, you know. I also don't know if I would use the adjective pleasant to describe the experience, but you know. <laughs> but that's part of the game. I mean, this is uh, mm-hmm. honestly the, Team Silent or whatever. Uh, well, they've been disbanded, but whatever. But like, I, I think that this is the best horror game that we've gotten. You know, this is a game that honestly frightens you. And yeah, it's, great it, it's a horror game. I, I view it as that. It, it's very much a game about survival. It's very much a game about fighting really tough enemies that can kill you. The whole point of survival horror is to fight an enemy that makes you feel small, that makes you feel weak, that's tough. And as much as I love Dead Space, Isaac Clarke is really freaking powerful, you know? So th- there's a fear element when an enemy like jumps up and says, boo, but there's not this foreboding. But you know if you keep your crap together, you're going to blast his arms off. Right, but there's none of that in Dark Souls. Like, the first time you see an enemy in Dark Souls, your first inclination is, can I kill this? It's not, will I kill this? It's, can I kill this? So you go up and you hack it a few times, and you go, nope. (laughs) Run away. (laughs) That's it, that's it. Run away. Run away. (laughs) There's a lot of running in this game. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of flee. There's a lot of oh crap! There's three of them. I'm yes, going to go that way. way. Uh, so are we pretty much done with Dark Souls? Or are we right. ready to talk about news? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess yeah. The the so the very first news story that I've got is has to do with Dark Souls. So it's this new patch uh, that's coming out soon. Uh, we'll we'll get to Diablo in a second. Uh, <laughs> new patch it. is is anyway. going to I know <laughs> um, is gonna is gonna fix as Rob mentioned. There's there's an unlimited souls glitch, which I'm not sure. I've seen. A glitch video on YouTube, which I'm not sure if it was specifically the Unlimited Souls glitch, but there's a glitch in the game where you can use items infinitely. So you could use the uh, like the consumable soul items, or you could use spells infinitely. And so I saw a video where this dude is running through an area, and everything just explodes in flame when he gets close <laughs> enough. Um, and so the they're fixing that. Um, they're they're rebalancing how regular weapons work against reinforced weapons. So as as Rob mentioned before, when you have a regular weapon, you know you can upgrade it to like a lightning or a fire weapon or uh, a cult or you know any any number of different things. Um, and so what happens there is that when you upgrade it to those um, those different tiers, uh, there's no stat scaling for the weapon. Uh, but you get a boost in, you know, lightning damage. Or so now they're going to put a stat boost on it. And well, no, the the problem was that the reinforced weapons were too powerful. So the lightning spear that you can pick up somewhere in the I don't want to spoil it, but um, you know, when you when you upgrade to those better weapons, it's a notable and very dramatic boost. And the stat scaling on regular weapons isn't quite strong right. enough. So I think they're boosting the stat scaling. 
Um, they're going to be they're going to be fixing the the matchmaking issues, which will make hopefully uh, multiplayer a lot better. So I think okay. right now it works in uh, like ten percent of your of your soul level. You can summon people, and so they might be widening that or widening the uh, the like the actual network code restraints yeah, the, the or whatever. PV, I wanted to um, I wanted to mention real quick, not trying to interrupt, but uh, the PvP isn't as huge of an issue in this game because first off, you're almost always dead. In this game, you're almost mm. always in your zombified, undead form, which is. And you look very, yes, very you, attractive. You, just, when you, you're in that you form. look like, um, I, you know, I was going to say an actress's name, and then that that would just be tacky. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it, luckily, no. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, been, I, which I don't actress? know. I, I was probably going to go with like Cher or something, but. You know, interestingly enough, I was thinking Cher. <laughs> but like, um, but luckily, when you're in your your dead form, you don't have your health uh, put at half. Like, you don't have half your health cut off anymore. Yes. Which is yes. which was the biggest pain in the ass part about Demon Souls was I always wanted to be in human form, but then I was being constantly invaded. So you can only be invaded when you're in human form, and the invasions only really take place with uh, either a consumable item or with a certain item that you get from one of the covenants. When you're invaded, the the invading player cannot heal themselves with flasks. They can heal themselves with miracles, but they can't heal themselves with flasks. So the yeah, so the onus that. is on them. The onus is on them to kill you, and that goes the same way when you summon people into your world. They can't heal themselves, so you as the commanding player, you as the human player, you have to heal them by drinking the Estus flasks, so you're kind of See, I really like that because that really emphasizes the whole. We you have to be cognizant exactly. of how your partner's and I, doing. I wonder why one of my buddies like backed off one time, and I started drinking the flasks to keep him alive because he was doing way more damage to the gaping dragon than I was. Yeah, I've done, I did yeah, that I was like, too. you go. I'm gonna sit here and sit at the base and drink Estus. Everything will be fine. But the uh, but so the player versus player isn't nearly as bad as it was in Demon Souls. I was very rarely invaded. And it puts a lot of pressure on the invading player, which I think it should. The only problem is that one area in the game, uh, and hopefully they balance this, one area of the game, the Covenant is just designed with protecting this area. And the scaling of the levels doesn't match up, so you don't have to be within 10 levels. You can invade anyone. And so people that are using the infinite mm -hmm. soul glitch are now walking around and just devastating people in this area. So pro tip, do not go into human form in the Darkroot Forest. Do, Unless yeah, you do like to not be dead. go in because you'll literally make it about thirty seconds before you're invaded, and that's already a tough area. You don't want to be fighting stuff. So, sorry, Zach, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Um, anyways, yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, and so I guess on the along the lines of PvP, they're fixing the the Ring of Fog. They're balancing that. They're balancing the Tranquil Walk of Peace spell, which slows you down when you're in the immediate radius of your enemy. Uh, they're they're rebalancing. Uh, magic shield and strong magic shield and just a, a bunch of other items um, because those the, especially ring of fog oh, it, it makes it really imbalances PvP, yeah it, does that work on enemies um, what, what we're talking about is the ring of fog makes it so that no one can target you which makes fighting mm -hmm. you like i i had somebody they put on the ring of fog and then they just walked around me and stabbed me in the back while i was like swinging like an idiot trying to kill them well and you turn kind of like Right. And right. does the Ring of Fog also yeah. work on enemies too? So I don't know okay. about that. I kind of want to get the Ring of Fog of because there's some areas where I think it would be helpful to not be seen. So mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be rebalancing but, for Dark Souls, and I think that could make the game better. 
And I think it shows that, mm-hmm. you know, From Software is aware of these situations and, you know, hey, they got the game out in a timely yeah. manner. So there, there's going to be some balancing issues. You don't realize what people are going to do until they have their hands on the game. So I think that I think that's why Blizzard does it. very long beta tests because they realize that, hey, if we release this game right now, like it's going to be very different. Think about the corpse explosion and uh, skeletons for the Necromancer in Diablo 2. Two very broken yeah. skills in very different ways that they had to iron out over the course of like four years. Well, yeah, so speaking, speaking of uh, Blizzard and such. Why are you talking about uh, Blizzard? Are you talking about Mist of Pandas? Oh God. Uh, if you want to talk about World of Warcraft, we can talk about World well, of let's Warcraft. let's just talk about everything they've announced. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about, okay, so, so Blizzard, uh, BlizzCon was this weekend, this past couple days, I think. Um, and so Diablo 3 is, is some of the big news that they have. Um, I, I'm going to start with the Collector's Edition. They, they've announced... Yeah, so if oh. I, I have the collector's edition for, for StarCraft 2 just because that's what they happened to have when I went and picked it up spontaneously at the minute launch, and it's a lovely thing, and I really kind of want to get the Diablo 2 Diablo special three. edition as well, which has, or 3, yeah, um, well, it has Diablo 2 in it. Has, uh, so it has um, the the game, obviously, and as well also has, where, where is yeah, it? Yeah, it has a, a USB um, soul the, stone that has. Yeah, the, like... Yeah, that has both of Diablo. I think it's Diablo two and Lord. Yeah, I don't think it has Diablo, Diablo one, which one is kind involved. of a shame. Like that, that's a little bit of a bummer. I, I want to play, even though Diablo mm-hmm. one is like horribly slow and broken. I would kind of like to play it again. Diablo one is well, awesome. it's very slow though, because <laughs> there's no run. Well, yeah, just but... put a run button in Diablo one, and I'll love it again. Mm. But anyways, yeah. So you got you got that. There's uh, an art book. I think there's a, a DVD, Blu-ray. It's like a two-disc thing with uh, like cinematics, and I think I'm making yeah. of. Um, and then uh, there's a, a variety of uh, like pets um, for I think. Oh no, it's uh, there's an in-game mount for World of Warcraft, and there's a uh, I think they give you new portraits for StarCraft Two. When you link it to the same Battle.net account, so you can't you can't transfer those things, uh, you know, sell them on eBay or whatever. But um, but yeah, so with that, you can also get Diablo three for free uh, if you play World of Warcraft. They don't and, need to give it to me for free. <laughs> I'll pay them money. Yeah, it doesn't come with Diablo one. Just just thought I'd throw that out there. It does oh, not come with Diablo yeah. one. Kind of a shame. Yeah, and so so this this other thing that that uh, Blizzard announced, I don't know if you've heard of this game. It's 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 World of Warcraft. It's a kind of big deal. Um, is well, first of all, they have their new expansion, uh, Miss of Pandaria, which we'll talk about in a second. But if you had an account before they announced this, uh, you can you can buy what they they call an annual pass to World of Warcraft, which is heavily discounted. I don't have the exact uh, rate right now in front of me. Um, but if you buy an annual pass to World of Warcraft and you've had your account before uh, the, the 18th of October, which was, you know, like a couple days ago, I think that's like the day before they made the announcement, um, they'll give you a free copy of, of Diablo. Which is awesome. The link to your account, which is pretty rad. I mean, if I, if I still played World of Warcraft, I would consider doing this um, just because, you know, it's the, you know, why not? Because um, if I was playing World of Warcraft anyways. Um, now, is this a digital copy of Diablo three? Uh yeah, okay. yeah, I think so. Um, but if you buy the collector's edition of Diablo three, you can then 
like register that to your account with the annual pass and get an additional four months wow. for free of World of Warcraft. So they're they're kind of like balance, you know, like so if you have the game and you're going to buy it already, then you know, uh, so maybe you know if you need to if you need to get on your WoW kick. I- I gotta say uh, that's a super then, aggressive move with uh, Knights of the Old. Re- uh, I keep wanting to say Knights of the Old Republic with the Old Republic coming out. That's a very aggressive move, very very yeah. aggressive. We actually we talk about that in the next segment of the show. We're obviously recording this second, but we talk about that in the Old Republic part of the show. That it, that's very very aggressive on Blizzard's part. So maybe Blizzard views Old Republic as an actual contender. I don't think they yeah. do it as a contender. I think they just want to beat it into the ground so dead that it never comes like Diablo. back. Because they want to be like, we'll uh, teach you to copy someone else's Did you see the cinematic idea. for Diablo 3? <sighs> okay, but... Uh, you know what's... Uh, all right. uh, just, uh, we're talking about Diablo here, so it's perfectly permissible. You know what's great about the Black Soulstone cutscene? Is you know that that's just the intro, and that there's going to be a cutscene where Diablo shows up and punches a hole through that guy. I'm so freaking... Uh, I have a new prediction. Because my prediction was wrong, I was I was saying last year that mm-hmm. I want I thought it was going to come out at the end of this year. I think it's going to be Valentine's Day. That's what I I think it's going to be Valentine's Day. I think that they they're doing a, a great beta test right now. They've really created a lot of awareness. I don't I think they'll announce it maybe two months out from release, but I I think it's going to be Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we'll. We'll we'll hear about that soon. But um, one one last bit of uh, Diablo news is that um, at BlizzCon uh, there there was a question I think that someone asked about uh, the the console version, and they haven't confirmed a console version yet, but they have been playing with console controls. Uh, they're they're trying to to get you know some sort of uh, thing worked out and they they've said that you know like they're they're not going to announce a console version until it's like kind of perfect uh and and you know perfectly set up and that they can promise that the game will come out um but yeah, yeah you know um but they have been working playing with console controls and you know apparently targeting is an issue because you know for like loot gathering and who to attack and whatever um but they they're all you know so so we'll see hopefully we'll we'll hear about that at some point for for those of uh, it's not me, but you know, for for those of you listeners who who may not have a super high power, oh, this thing's gonna run on to everything. Like that's that's the great thing about true. Diablo Three. That is it's true. Run on every. You can play StarCraft Two on just about anything, and that's really mm-hmm. a smart move on Blizzard's part. And I think that's part of the long Blizzard development cycle is they make something that is infinitely scalable. Like my Alienware desktop. I can play StarCraft II at max settings, and it looks gorgeous. I can play it on, like, my BS laptop, my school laptop. Runs fine. Runs fine. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not a huge hit. Like, it, it looks good. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, so, so just to, to keep going on, uh, World of Warcraft Mists of Pandaria uh, expansion announced. So silly? this is – you don't want to play it, as a it panda? It so Here's silly. Here's the thing. Panda. We just Looks destroyed really... the we just destroyed the entire world. Here's some pandas. It's yeah, I I, you know, it's, so it's a, it's a change of pace for, um, for for World of Warcraft. I think the the interesting thing is that I, like Cataclysm was that kind of expansion that revitalized the game, but also kind of brought a really big world arc to a close. Yeah. 
like a really big story arc. And so now Miss of Pandaria, I feel like it's getting into EverQuest territory where we're going to maybe not see, you know, because it's been what almost well, how long since Cataclysm? Like a year, a while. right? Um, mm-hmm. So the, they haven't dated the this new expansion yet, but it'll come out. I'm, I'm thinking 2000, like late 2012, maybe uh, or perhaps earlier, but we'll we'll see soon enough. Um, but so we've got new race is, is the panda wren and you know, they, they're which pandas. in Chinese just means panda people. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, that's right. I, my, my semester of Chinese that I took way back when. Um, and so you have, you have the panda wren who are apparently skilled in martial arts. Um, and oh, so, skills. yeah, you know, um, and so they, there's a new, uh, there's a new continent, which is Pandaria. And so that's where you, you get, you start with the Pandaran character. Um, and there's a new, uh, new class monk. And so it's, a apparently like a martial arts focused class. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll throw some more fist weapons into the game because those are pretty nifty, but they never were very useful. Um, and they also can heal. So it's kind of like a, and a, you know, almost like the monk from, uh, Guild Wars from Diablo 3. Uh, well, yeah, three. That's yeah, the that's game that's coming, coming out. Let's talk more yeah. about it. Anyways, so um, but there's so just real quick, new level cap, new PVE scenarios, new dungeon modes, um, pet battles, which is kind of going to be like Pokemon in your <laughs> WoW, um, and then like a new talent system. And uh, one of the other things is that the the Panda Rens aren't uh, aren't alliance or horde specific. Uh, you you make a character and then. At some point when you're, you know, I think before, probably before you hit like level 20 or whatever, you have to choose um, which side that you're going to, which side you're going to fight on. Neutral? Um, I don't think so. It's, you know, it's apparently the the new kind of Pandaria thing is that they're bringing, uh, they're bringing the notion of uh, this, you know, like the Alliance versus Horde thing back. Hello? You're um, there, Steven. We hear you. Um, they're they're bringing the 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 alliance versus horde conflict back to the game, uh, whereas Cataclysm was more focused on this big world destroying uh, sort of thing. And I think what was it in uh, in Burning Crusade, uh, two expansions before. Oh my God, this game's been out for a while. Um, two expansions before they had the 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 neutral cities. I think uh, Wrath of the Lich King worked similar to that. Um, but anyway, so so that's that. Um, more news, more news. In more news, in in more massively multiplayer news. Did you guys talk about uh, Final Fantasy fourteen two point oh? That's actually the- that's actually a pretty interesting topic because I really respect that they're you know totally revamping the game and the art looks great, but mm-hmm. it's not going to make a difference. It, nothing they do about that game is going to save it from being an absolute complete total failure. I, I- I think they've pissed so many people off that even – I don't know. People will probably go back, but it, you've already kind of pissed off your market base. You know, uh, the, the list of improvements The thing great. is too – yeah. yeah. I mean, well, anyway, the so, thing with it is is that it's already seen as a failure, and you know they can relaunch it all they want. But first of all, they're charging people, and they say it won't be till the end of 2012 that it gets this update. By then, no one's going to care no. about that game. It's a shame. Yeah. I mean they already don't. It's it's a bummer, but yeah. So well, um, this they're basically revamping for for those of you who are unaware. They're completely, almost like redoing. Actually, they are completely redoing the game. Um, the they're they're putting it in a new graphics engine. None of the current content is going to be available once it hits, um, like the the updated thing. 
uh, like the updated version, um, they're they're just they're making these broad sweeping changes. Um, and so, if you want more specific information, definitely check out uh, the article on the site. Uh, there's a link to the the actual like the actual press release. I think it was from the the Final Fantasy XIV website, which has specific PDFs that outline like all of the changes uh, and some really good looking concept art. But an interesting thing is that they may get Vita and smartphone oh support God. and perhaps Xbox 360 oh. support uh, way down the road. Granted, you know, but um, it was, it was the producer and director Naoki Yoshida um, that, that said, you know, like we're, they're looking into Vita, they're looking into smartphones, they, they said um, it. you know, the, and, but this is, this is something that will come, you know, decidedly after the PS3 version, which is itself only coming out after they release well, this 2.0. They said on the, and that's, that's the problem is they're like, oh yeah, we're going to release these apps for it. So you can check your auction house. I'm like, dude, that doesn't make a difference if nobody's playing your game and no, nobody's more, playing it. More importantly is now they've said that they want to get the PS3 version out, which I, I didn't think it was ever going to come out. So there's another one of my predictions shot to hell, but they said it on the eight, four play podcast. So I want to give them credit. Like, if this is coming out to PS3 sometime late next year, we're probably going to be talking about new consoles next year. Like we've gotten information this this week that you know apparently Xbox 720 or whatever the hell is going to come out in 2013. So we're going to start seeing the first rumblings of that. If this is an MMO coming out at the very end of a console's life cycle, e I think they better get ready to yeah. rely on the PC version. And they've already said that they. I mean, the PC, granted, the, like the graphics, what they've set as their benchmark, it is a huge graphical improvement. It's not going to look that good on PS3. So maybe they're going to rely I mean, on granted, the PC. Like, think, think about what they're doing with with Dragon oh, Quest boy. X. They're having they have a Wii version. That's and a, a whole Wii other train wreck. That will come out. I mean, yeah, true, <laughs> but but they might do something similar if a PlayStation 4 were to come out in 2013. I still think, I still think uh, Square Enix is going to backtrack a little bit on Dragon Quest X. Just based off the fact that when they first announced Dragon Quest IX, it looked completely different, and then a bunch of people in Japan said that they were going to kill themselves, and the Square Enix guys for making it on it. Like, they said they were going to kill themselves, and all of a sudden Square Enix was like, oh, okay, we're going to go back to making a regular old Dragon Quest game. I don't know if that's going to happen with Dragon Quest X, but I wouldn't be surprised if some things radically change. I would not be surprised. Yeah. More news. Well, we got to get moving, uh, guys. On, on an even on an even bigger multiplayer kick, uh, Mass oh, Effect boy. 3 has multiplayer. It's been confirmed. And if you recall my yep. prediction for Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, a, a kind of separate from the campaign but having to do with the, the conflict on Earth where you team up with four, you know, like kind of generic people. Uh, it's in an old podcast. You guys should look it up. Um, <laughs> I was right. I was right. I was right. Um, anyway, so yeah, so it's it's this new... Um, so they're, they're calling it uh, the, the Galaxy at War multiplayer. You play not as Shepard, but as kind of a customized uh, character of sorts where you can be – it's one of uh, a handful of classes. Garrus. You, uh, I don't know. If, I don't think they're, they're not – it's kind of like you play as generic characters. Yeah. <laughs> I would play that. Um, but uh, they're you – know, you, you play four players co-op kind of going through, I think, missions or some sort of, like, horde mode style uh, thing and and fight against co-op enemies. And it will, it can contribute to 
the ending of your game. Which is kind of weird. Uh, and this is, optional. it's kind of well, weird, but they've also said that there won't, like, that you can get the the best ending in the game without having okay, touched well, the that's player. Good. That's good. So, you know, so yeah. it's it's a nice Great. thing for people. I think that, you know, cause it, depending on how they how much they've refined the combat and what they do with that, it could be, like, a really cool way to, to you know, like, spend an afternoon is, like, playing through this multiplayer content um, when Mass Effect 3 comes out. So I suppose we'll find out what happens. And uh, if you want to get a hand on that before the game actually comes out, there's going to be a demo. Um, and to get the demo, you have to get Battlefield 3. So, you know, consider that. Um, if you, yeah, so they're, they're going to have a demo of this, of some of the multiplayer content. Um, I don't know if it's also the single player. But, um, oh, yeah. Oh, no, it says, so there's a single player demo, and then the, the multiplayer demo is uh, is only through Battlefield 3. Um, I was, I mean, even if you listen to the last pod, couple podcasts, I was really, really against multiplayer. And I actually like the co-op that they have planned for this because it, if you think about it, I mean, it would be pretty fun, you know, to play any of those classes to level up, you know, and to just, you know, do a couple of combat missions in that. And mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't affect the single player in in that you can still play the single player and totally ignore it is, you know, I, I kind of like the direction they're taking with it. Yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think it's um, it, it's not going to be huge. It's not going to be a huge it's not going to be a huge part of the game. It's just going to be. You know, kind of a nice add-on, and that's interesting. And it's it's exactly what we wanted it to be without being overbearing on the product. And exactly what exactly I what you predicted, you. Zach. I give credit <laughs> where credits due. So I I definitely. I'm glad it's made by a separate. What's that call? I'm glad it's made by a separate team as well. Oh yeah, yeah like you know, they're that. not wasting their time. So I'm right. I'm excited for it. I just you know I I probably won't play it that much. I really do like the Mass Effect Two combat, but I don't. You know, unless they do some things, I, I'm, I'm an old Left for Dead player. Unless they do some things that really enact teamwork and really force me to work as a team, and it doesn't just feel like a shooting gallery, I probably won't play it that much. But I mean, still, it's nice to have in there. And if it doesn't, you know, if it's just adding to True the game, enough. hey, cool. It's more Mass Effect content, you know, which is never really a bad thing. So. Keep going. How many more? How many more? Um, I think. I guess. I guess that's that's kind of the the all the, the big, big news. Um, I mean, there's. That's, you know, there's, uh, I mean, like, there's Final Fantasy thirteen two DLC that we can talk about again, but it's just that it's going to be on, you have to buy, like, the CDs to get all of it. It's, that's kind of silly, that game. Yeah. Final Fantasy thirteen Final Fantasy thirteen too. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people See. saying it's not going to do well. I mean, a lot of people are also saying it's it's better than thirteen but that's not well, saying that, too you much. Know, I- We'll see. I'm not interested, happens. but I, I'm, I'm not, interested not in versus. No, this is not I'm interested in versus thirteen because it looks like they're not making that game anymore, Rob. Oh, I mean, they're they're working on it, and it'll be out in the near future. <laughs> we'll see when it comes out. You remember how that was one of the first games shown for the PlayStation Three? Wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Wow. All right, so I think that's uh, it for this portion of the show. We're moving on. Uh, Dave and John joined me the other day to talk about the Old Republic. So we sat down and talked about that. So I guess we'll bid farewell to this portion. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Zach, Stephen, and Kyle. Really awesome to talk to you guys about Dark Souls. And Kyle, I think you should go back and play New Game Plus. <laughs> just, just a simple no. <laughs> no. No. Absolutely no not. Absolutely no. not. So uh, thanks a lot, guys, and stay tuned, yeah. listeners, for the Old Republic.
You're not seriously going to open that way, are you? I think that's the best way to open. So, uh, welcome to our the Old Republic discussion. Uh, I am Robert Steinman, and joining me we have the person who apparently doesn't like my music. Uh, this is John McCarroll, executive editor. I'm Keeper X on our forums. I figure I have to do it because if not, uh, we're going to get sued if we use any any of uh, John Williams' music. So I figured that was didn't even didn't even sound close. So I don't think we're in any danger. Excellent. And we have the podcast virgin on the show, David Yeager. Hey, what's up? So we have been playing the Old Republic. We are the three beta testers for RPG Fan, and we are going to regale you about our journeys through the ancient galaxy far far david just take away from me yeah please. you got it so let's get one thing out of the way right away if you've played world of warcraft you've basically played this game the quickest and easiest way to describe this is world of warcraft in space and that's pretty much how the gameplay goes here uh, down, <laughs> right down to world of spacecraft world of starcraft whatever you want to call it uh, but you got lightsabers, and you got Wookiees, and you got Twi'leks, uh, but the the gameplay is almost exactly uh, like World of Warcraft, down to the key mappings on your keyboard, uh, you know, down to pretty much pretty much every last thing, down to the way quests work, down to the way the, the mouse works, left cl- clicks, right clicks, everything works exactly the way it does in World of Warcraft. So now I got to stop and, and ask right there, um, because I, I'm sure when some people hear that, they think that we're being negative, but is that a negative that this thing is emulating the most successful MMO of all time? I think that it's not an accident. I think that uh, it had to be an intentional design decision to make. I think what they're looking to do here is they're not, I don't think they're going to look with this game to convert too many uh, players that aren't already playing MMOs. Uh, You know, I don't think they're looking to get that, to get that crowd. And if they do get that crowd, it's a model that is already proven to work uh, with the casual crowd. So if this happens to be somebody's first game, first MMO, especially if they're a Star Wars person that doesn't play too many video games, which is where, let's face it, World of Warcraft found massive success uh, in the crowd of people that doesn't play a lot of of single-player video games. Uh, If if they're, sorry, if there are Star Wars fans that, you know, haven't played an MMO yet, they're probably going to play this, and I think they might enjoy it. And the control scheme is going to help them with that because it's an already proven control scheme that appeals to the casual gamer. And I, what I wanted to, wanted to say is that I think it's a it's a good thing that they're emulating World of Warcraft because it is probably a, the easiest game to get into. As well, you know, there have been a couple of sci-fi MMOs that that were different, and um, you know, and and games that were not bad. But you and I both know how long Tabula Tabula Rasa lasted. Oh yes, oh yes, and that was supposed to be, uh, you know, that was that was where they really tried something new you know, with uh, MMO-style gameplay. And I think that the games that have been able to survive are the ones that haven't done too much new stuff in the way of gameplay. Let's be honest here. Even even when World of Warcraft first came out, World of Warcraft was not original at all. World of Warcraft was derivative of things that have been done in EverQuest and in several other MMOs. A really good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. And, you know, isn't that kind of part of what, you know, part of Blizzard's MO, you know, has always used to be you know, taking something that, you know, maybe some other company, maybe some other people have done, but making it perfect, you know, and if they're close to perfection as they can get it. Right. Uh, right. I don't think that Bioware is looking here uh, to do anything with Star Wars, the, uh, the old Republic that hasn't been done 
in the MMO space before. Now, perhaps I shouldn't, you know, go that far. There are some interesting things they've added on uh, that we can certainly get to. Uh, things like uh, they have, for example, you know, kind of AI-assisted uh, companions. As you get into the later levels, uh, it looks to me like you're going to be able to build something. Uh, if not a party, you're not going to be able to gather up an army to go, you know, kind of do all the quests yourself with and with yourself and all your AI companions. But you can at least get one AI companion at a time. Uh, well, well that, uh, just to back up a sec, though, uh, I think that with the World of Warcraft model, I mean, I only played World of Warcraft for like an hour. My my buddy brought it over one time when I was still in graduate school, and I played it, and I was like, okay, you know, I can kind of see the appeal of this, but it's not really my cup of tea. It's very non-interactive. It's kind of it's a type of game that doesn't really speak to me. And then I started playing Old Republic, and I was like right back to that same mindset. And I guess it was just surprising to me. I know Steven said it before on the show that it was surprising that Bioware didn't decide to do something new. I think we expect to have innovation out of Bioware, but this is kind of them playing it safe, going with a model that works. And, you know, it, it disappointed me a little bit, but I think it's also because that's not what I'm looking for as a player. Uh, John and I talked on the phone when I first started playing the game, and I said, you know, John, this this just isn't speaking to me in terms of gameplay. I'm really not enjoying it. And John was very quick to point out, well, this isn't your type of game. I like more games that are very interactive, that give a lot of player choice, that give a lot that you know, lots of reciprocity. I like games like Demon Souls. I like games like Dark Souls, where I feel like I'm actually in combat. Meanwhile, world if there was if there was an opposite of <laughs> Souls, it would be a World of Warcraft. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not you know, you're not looking at anything that's really gonna. I mean, with the exception of some of large raiding parties where you really have to work together with like several other people, there's not a whole lot out there in terms of challenge in an MMO, and that's by design, you know, in most instances. It, it doesn't get hard until the very end because you want the players to play as long as possible. Exactly, exactly. Um, one thing I do want to make note of that we probably should have made note of at the very beginning is the amount of time that we spent playing. Um, I know I've only spent six or seven hours. I actually had some pretty significant crash issues that ended up being, being unrelated to the game, but uh, so I, I wasn't able to get in all the play that I wanted to. Yeah, and I, and I was very much at the other end where I only played for maybe three or four hours. And I, you know, I apologized to John over and over again that it just it wasn't speaking to me. It became a chore for me to play. And I think that speaks more to what I'm looking for in experience. I don't think that's necessarily indicative of the quality of the game. And I just want to be clear on that. And we we also because I, I, I don't know how long Dave played for. I know he, he got the most play out of all of us. But we, we, none of us ever got to advanced stages of the game, which it's really unfair to grade an MMO without hitting raids or without hitting any of that other content because that that's really the meat of it for, for a great majority of players is the dungeons and that sort of thing, which we didn't have the ability to be, you know, we, we weren't exposed to that yet. Yeah, and we were we were all playing we were all playing on the uh, what is it the the Republic side, which pissed me off a little bit because we all know I'm pure evil. So I. Uh, but here's something interesting. Yeah, this this is kind of cool. This is a good trend. This is a good th time to bring this up. One of the things that's interesting is like uh, people who are familiar with World of Warcraft know that you either pick the quote unquote good side, you know, the Alliance or whatever, and then the, or the side with the orcs and monsters oh. and oh, the. the oh. People, so many people will argue with you because the, I I would see this every every week in the World of Warcraft forums is that how the the uh, the horde is actually the good side. Yeah, well, I think you could make an argument for that, but I'm not even getting into that. 
the, the the point being that once you pick a side, you know, it's kind of you know you're on a you're on a certain philosophy. You know what I mean? Like you know you're approaching the game from a certain way, and you're not going to be able to. There's not a whole lot of like uh, uh, crossover or moral decisions to make. One thing that's really cool about Star Wars is that it became apparent pretty early on, even though we were playing Republic, who is ostensibly the good side in Star Wars. Although you're going to get the same arguments on the Sith side, I'm sure, when people start playing. But ostensibly the good side, you have the ability to go dark side. I mean, that's pretty obvious from the get-go in the game. Some of the choices that you can make in the game give you dark side points, and it seems apparent that you are going to at least have the ability to play an evil character or an evil a character with evil evil morality on what is a st- what is supposed to be the good guy's side, See, which I, gotta, I found really intriguing. I I gotta disagree slightly. Like I I totally understand that that's what they're going for, and I, I was playing as a smuggler, so you know I'm playing a Han Solo type character where, you know, you get your dialogue options, and it's very Paragon Renegade. And I think that's why it struck me as you're not so much being good or evil. It's just the difference between being a nice guy and a dick. And I think that's – I don't think a Jedi is suddenly going to go like freaking Anakin on the sand people like out of nowhere. I don't don't see that happening. Anakin did. Huh? (laughs) What? I said, why not? Anakin did. Then he fell to the dark side, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think maybe down the road they're going to do something cool where, like, a Jedi can fall to the Sith or maybe a Sith can turn Jedi. I don't know, but, like, to me it was just the difference between being a nice guy and being a dick. Let me me counter that with a specific quest. I believe we're allowed to talk about, you know, quest content in general terms as long as we don't quote. Yeah, we we, – yeah, we, we unfortunately are, are limited by an NDA. We can't get really specific about things like I don't think we can talk about very, you know, like this is exactly what happened in this quest. But I'm sure if you, if you talk in general, terms, let me present to you like the quest itself. And, you know, if we need to edit this out later, fine. But there was a quest when I was doing the Jedi Consular uh, class path where there were two of your fellow Academy members were, you know, clearly in a relationship. All right. And this sort of thing is supposed to be bad news for a Jedi. You know, the passion is bad, et cetera, et cetera. And so you are tasked with trying to go spy, trying to go spy on them and try to see what they're up to. And the options that you're given there are not black and white. All right. They're very, very, uh, you know, difficult choices. But the game clearly takes a stance on what leads to the dark side and what does not based on what you're doing. And it's not just a simple matter of what Rob is describing is definitely true. There are probably, I mean, it's just too easy to have situations where you can either just be a dick and say, give me money, or, you know, I'm not going to do this. Uh, that type of stuff is too, is pretty obvious. But there were definitely some examples of quests that had really interesting, you know, moral choices. And even if you thought you were doing, you know, kind of the okay thing. Eh, it's not so bad for me to do this. Oh, boom, here comes the dark side points. I yeah, that was kind I, of interesting. I'm interested to see how they play that out. I think that that could go into the end game content that we don't know anything about where I think it would be kind of cool to have a Jedi. I, I forget the, the Sith's name from the first like expanded universe novels, like the first really big ones back in the, the 90s, I think. And there was like a Sith that wasn't really a bad guy. He was just kind of his own individual, like – 
And I think that would be kind of a cool angle for them to go, where you're a Jedi that's maybe a little bit more tuned to the dark. It's not shades of black and white. I think that they could do some really cool stuff with that. But for the time being, my limited experience with the game was just Paragon or Renegade, you know, give me money or, uh, you know, I'm going to go do this completely altruistically yeah, be and be fair, nice. To be fair, to be fair, uh, the majority of stuff I ran up against did have that type of those type of options. Yeah. You know. what, what, one thing I'm very interested in seeing is I know uh, I don't remember if it was EverQuest or EverQuest Two that did this. I was never really a heavy EverQuest player, but you could actually, you know, you could you selected the good or evil, and there there were very long quests that you could go on to change sides. Yeah, kind kind of like how in Oblivion you have to uh, if you want to lose your vampirism, your vampirism, like you have to go on a long quest chain to kind of regain yourself. That could be really cool and i'm sure that bioware has already thought of that that could be cool stuff can, can i mention what my impression of this game was like because it gets into the storytelling element yeah please uh, like, we're, we're we're past our embargo date it's just we can't go into extreme specifics oh i know i know i it, oh. just i didn't want to change gears too much i oh. just uh you know so i made my guy um and I, I land on the planet, and it was funny because, you know, I get off the ship, and everybody's talking to me about, you know, what a badass smuggler I am. And, it, you know, it feels like Mass Effect. You know, it's it's got uh, it's got kind of this cartoony look, which uh, it threw me for a loop because yeah, the that... first cinematics for the game are, like, really hardcore, like, intense, crazy, like, like... – it, it it almost looked like the guys out of the Clone Wars cartoon. Yeah, no, it really no, did. So very much so. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it gives the, it definitely gives the game it, the game feels like Star Wars. But you get off your ship, and you're having these Mass Effect dialogues, and and you know you're kind of feeling like you're having an impact. And that was where I was interested. I was interested in the game having a story element and feeling very much like a bio a, a Bioware RPG right now, Dragon Age Mass Effect. And then the first mission is like, go turn off these five thingies out in the field. And I, and I was just like, okay. Since, since Dave and I both play, we both play consulars. We ran into that thing where one of the first quests you get is go rescue these uh, other padawans who are stuck in wooden cages. Yeah, it's truly a truly dark days indeed for the Jedi Academy. <laughs> padawans can no longer escape a thin wooden plank. Yeah, that I think that's where my biggest issue with this game is really coming from, where I feel like what they're doing from a storytelling perspective, from adding in an actual narrative into an RPG, an MMO, is awesome. Like, this does not feel like World of Warcraft where you go up to the guy with the exclamation point over his head and you get this long line of text and it tells you to go kill five rats. Right. Instead – Instead, you're getting this really awesome cinematic with great dialogue, you know, wonderful voice acting that's telling you to go kill five rats. <laughs> it's like, it, it, okay. it, is, it is interesting because like, they've clearly gone out of their way to make you feel like the number one badass in the galaxy. That is cool. definitely not something that you see in other MMOs. All right. You know, you basically it's you and 50 bazillion other people delivering, you know, the same the same item to the same NPC over and over again. In this game, one of the things they've done that I thought was really a, kind of a neat idea was the storytelling instances, where you've got on if you're on your main class path, uh, you're able you're able to see some areas sometimes where there's little green shimmering curtains that kind of look like you know your classic Star Wars force field type of thing. When you walk through them, you're kind of put into your own storytelling instance, and all of a sudden. 
all the people running around and everything, you know, you don't see them anymore. And it's, it's just yeah. you and your commanding officer if you're playing, you know, a trooper, which is one of the, you know, I tried to try out all the different classes while we had time in the beta. But, you know, you have these cool meetings with your, you know, commanding officer and your support team, you know, on the special ops unit you're on. On the Jedi consular side, you're meeting with your master, you know, and in those missions, when you get to the mission locations where you need to actually go get the five items or whatever it may be, at least in some instances you have, you see again that green shimmering screen where only you and anybody who's not of your class can go in. And what that does is it kind of disguises the fact that, hey, guess what? Tens of thousands of other people, Bioware certainly hopes it's going to be that many, tens of thousands of other people are also doing this same quest. Yeah. But you don't see that, you know? And I think that's kind of a clever approach to the problem, one of the, one of the yeah. essential problems of the MMO. I, I, I find that incredibly interesting, too, because you look at many, many MMOs and they're like, we're trying to get away from instancing. We're trying to get away from all of that stuff. So they'll instance in dungeons and that's it. And that's the way World of Warcraft is. So it's intriguing to have these little mini instances where it, it's actually not in a, a technological sense because you can't have that many people in that space, but it's used in a storytelling sense. And I, I find that to be unique, um, you know, and, and it's functional here, certainly. Oh yeah, definitely. I I definitely liked it too, and I I think it cut down on some of the problems that I saw playing. You know, my brief time with World of Warcraft, where there's like ten people lined up right next to the one quest giver in town. So it it does help to make you feel like this is your story, to make this feel like you are the most important guy in the universe, as Dave was saying. And you know, when Bioware said that this is uh, Knights of the Old Republic three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, for every class. I can see what they're talking about there because it does kind of feel like the opening of Dragon Age. And all I was thinking when I was playing this game was, you know, not having a big MMO background was this is what Bioware was saying and what a lot of reviewers were saying when they said that Dragon Age is an offline MMO where you're going around and you are controlling a party that very much acts like an MMO. You have your tank, your healer, this, that, and the other. And but you're controlling each aspect. Where I really started to – like the, the beginning storytelling and narrative part of the Old Republic caught me by surprise, and I was really interested with that. If we're ready to talk about the combat though, the combat just left me completely, you know, for lack of a better word, flaccid. Now, well, one thing – It's like what is going on here? Just just really quick before before we move on to combat, kind of – I, I want to talk about the way that, that... – the Old Republic made me feel. Now, obviously, you guys are not here with us, but I just linked um, Dave and Rob to a Penny Arcade um, from November 14th of 2008. And this is really the same way that the game made me feel, which is it's the the comic from when the Wrath of the Lich King first came out. And it's like, oh, man, this is awesome. Look at all this really cool stuff here. And the first thing the NPC tells you is, I want you to kill Seek Snow Moose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... It's unfortunate that that parts of the game really, really feel like Star Wars, and parts of the game feel like World of Warcraft or EverQuest or insert generic whatever here. You know where I feel the game has this identity complex, and I don't know if they're going to be able to. You know, I don't. I don't know if this is something they want to address, but the game does kind of have this identity complex in that the quests. That are the class quests that pull you along on your story where you are, you know, the biggest badass in the galaxy. Those work because you're going into these areas where 
you can go in them with a group. Sometimes you need to have a group or at least one other person with you to, to make it through. And those are great. Those sequences are great. And some of the storytelling there is your classic, has all your classic Bioware elements. But then you've got the side quests and you run into these side quests all over the place, which are, yes, kill six things, you know, go kill me seven flesh raiders and things like that. And so on the one hand, you know, it's this, you've got this list of things to do from on the one hand, you've got this task from your Jedi master, go retrieve this lost artifact that will, that's been gone for thousands of years. Oh, and also this other guy wants you to go pick up my laundry, you know, type of thing. Yeah, it's it's it's, the, it's that type of complex, you know, kind of an, a bit of an identity crisis. And there are definitely moments like that in other Bioware games, though. I mean, you have that in Mass Effect or even in Dragon Age, where you have those kind of fetch questy things. You know, I'm glad that we have Jaeger on here because Jaeger was the one who uh, he went up to uh, Baltimore back in March or February to to meet with the guys who were doing Reckoning, which is another EA RPG coming out um, that that's kind of competing against the Bioware games. And one of the uh, the developers had said, you know what, it's frustrating in games where you have two active quests, one of which is save the world, the other one which, which is find my pants. Find my pants, yes. <laughs> no, I think that needs to be a catchphrase for RPG making. I mean, yeah. it, the find my pants quest is, it's never, I've never heard it more succinctly said. It's true. I mean, you've got a few of those. You got a, you got a few of those in uh, Star Wars for sure. I think Bethesda's actually done a really good job of getting away from that because the the major side quests in Fallout and yeah, and even New Vegas, they always feel important. Now, granted, you're maybe going out and collecting, you know, Abraham Lincoln's repeater rifle, but it's still something that feels better. And I think Bioware at times is kind of stuck doing meaningless quests i mean john can you think of any of the side quests in dragon age 2 can you think about any of the bobbles or bits that you had to pick up and what you took back oh, to someone no, no, no. like i i totally don't remember or care about any of the quests from from Jeez. dragon age i enjoyed the combat in the game and i enjoyed the story but no it's it it that game took all a lot of bad elements out of MMOs, along with the good ones. You know, that brings me to another question. What is with all of the crap in your inventory in Bioware games lately? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Like, you go around in Star Wars, and you're going to find all kinds of garbage, you know, yeah. that, that you hang on to yeah. and then go and sell. The, like, just give me the damn credits or the damn gold. Because, what carry because, all this crap around for? Bears don't have credits, you know. And I think inventory management is 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 something that has become kind of a garbage element in MMORPGs. Where yes, I, I understand that you don't want me to carry around, you know, eighty sets of armor and everything else. Um, but I guarantee you, less than a week into the you know, after the Old Republic has launched, there will be a sell every gray item mod. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I think. I mean, this is Star Wars, right? I mean, you should have some kind of whiz bang gadget that can, you know, melt this stuff down into some, you know, call it whatever. Didn't they do this in Mass Effect? You could melt everything down into yeah. into well, Omni Gel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's exactly. two there's two things uh, that I have to comment on that, and and both of them come from Diablo. Either Bioware needs to get a hold of some guys from Blizzard North 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 now that they're <laughs> you know dissolved and gone. They need to grab some of those guys to teach them how to do loot. Well, well hold on, hold on. You say grab the guys from Bioware. Or from uh, from Blizzard North, um, we had a couple of bad games that came from them. So yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's true. But um, it's gonna go with Runic. You know, Torchlight is basically you know if they got it right. But, just, but just have a bunch of cool but, stuff. But you know, also stacks in the same way. But speaking to Torchlight and Diablo three, I think that the the standard model in these loot games is going to be what they're doing in Diablo three and Torchlight, where you have a quick sell option or a quick meltdown. Like I feel like. 
one of the things that's making those games so impressive is the usability of the interface. And when I, when I opened up my inventory in uh, Old Republic, I honestly said "f this" and I oh, closed yeah. it. I was just like, I am not looking at that. That just frustrated me. There was so much crap in there. I had no idea which blaster rifle was the best. I was just like, okay, f it, done. Well, okay, so I think that actually holds to your inexperience with MMOs, Rob. Yeah. Um, because it it had the same system in World of Warcraft, where if you hold down a key as you hover over something, it will show a direct comparison to what you have equipped. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And you know, I I have the one thing that the one thing that I didn't see in Star Wars was much in the way of. Uh, you know, probably because of the it was a, probably because it's a beta. There wasn't as much handholding through the interface. I think that they kind of assumed, and maybe maybe we're making too many assumptions here, but you know, I think that they were thinking that the people on this beta probably had played MMOs before. Yeah, I I didn't realize for an hour that there was no auto attack. I was very confused. I was like, <laughs> okay, I just I just clicked on that dude. You know, I ran into that same thing, and you know, I played World of Warcraft for years, where it was I would click on it and I expected. And this is a negative thing, and they expect that you know a lot about MMOs. I would right-click an enemy, then st- then mash an ability, wait for the cooldown on that ability, and it took me uh, you know, three or four enemies into the very beginning of the game to realize, huh, when I right-click on them, I'm attacking once, but I'm not attacking again. Yeah, yeah. And they no, explain that, and uh, you know, the MMO standard is right-click on an enemy, enter combat, start auto-attack. Yeah, and you know, that's kind of an interesting point. If you're going to copy... If you're going to copy or at least model your system off of, you know, the standard that is World of Warcraft now, why would you leave out something like auto attack? Uh, that I can't figure out. But, you know, it's still it's still beta. Who knows? I, you know, I, I think that they're trying to go after a more visceral system. But the problem is the that doesn't really work when your attacks are swing a lightsaber. You know, yeah. it, it maybe it's it, and it's possible. Works have more abilities. And you have different cooldowns that are running. But when my cooldowns were, I can pick something up at the ground and throw it, or I have two lightsaber attacks, I really just wanted to set one thing to auto-attack until I told it to stop. Yeah. yeah. There was no um, playing as the smuggler, and I really wish I had gone back and played as a Jedi. Because, and this kind of plays into something John and I talked about over the phone. Was uh, you know, I asked the question of, is anyone going to want to play as a Jedi? And John said, well, you know, the Jedi's kind of act as either a healer or a tank, and then your damage dealers are kind of your smuggler class. So I think there is a place for each class, and I'm really happy about that. Because when I first heard that the Old Republic was coming out, I was like, okay, everybody and their mother is going to want to play as a Jedi or a Sith. What do you do to make the other class is impressive i think bioware has done a good job of that the smuggler is supposed to be your damage dealing class however sitting there and pressing the same multi-shot skill over and over it is there's no visceral quality it's just boring the enemies don't react it's just it's literally civil war time or, or american revolution i'm standing on one end of the battlefield they're standing on the other we're just going to unload on each other. And the, the game has this really finicky cover mechanic for the smuggler class, which is just – I don't understand it. In the three or four hours that I played, I could not get it to consistently work. And it, I don't know if that's bugginess from the beta, but I really didn't like And it's trying to add a visceral quality to a game that is Microsoft Excel. 
Yeah. One one thing that I want to make note of, and and Rob, your inexperience for for memo shows a little bit here is the the arguments that you have of well, it's it's you know it's really simplistic. That is pretty standard across the board in yeah. every MMO because yeah. for the first 20 levels or whatever, you're, you know, stupid Mick, you know, I have no abilities. That that was a really bad... Um... Stupid Mick, I have no abilities. <laughs> yes. I, I think I'm that's kind of catch insulted you. over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but John's, John's 100% right that this is... It's my lack of experience with the genre, and I think that that speaks to the bigger question about World of Warcraft. Is this going to appeal... Uh, World of Warcraft, uh, Knights of the Old, Old Republic... Damn it. I'm going to get it. <laughs> See, it's hard. Uh, I think this speaks to the bigger question about the Old Republic. Is this a game that is going to attract MMO players, or is this a game that's going to attract everyone? For me, as a non-MMO player, I was not interested. That could just be me. I could be an outlying case, but I don't think that this is the type of game that's going to Here's, cross over. I don't, think it, I don't think it is. I don't know that it will either, but... Let me say this about it. I think that it could be that the timing here is really, really good for Bioware and EA. Because even though World of Warcraft coming out with a new expansion, you know, you're getting Diablo 3 free if you buy a year subscription, et cetera, et cetera. But the level cap in that game had to be raised to 90 at this point. All right. To make it, you know, to make people still want to come back in and still be able to level up. If you can play another game that's like World of Warcraft and actually start at level one and be the biggest badass in the galaxy and you don't have to relearn anything and you already like Star Wars, you know, honestly, that's going to be, you know, I would imagine a pretty good chunk of folks that play World of Warcraft might be in that state. You know, yeah. I think they might be there might they might be able to pull some folks away from World of Warcraft that, you know what, it's not that they don't like World of Warcraft. They're just, you know, it's they, they've been playing it for years and they want to try something new. Well, here it is. You know, and it yeah. plays exactly the same way that you're familiar with. And what, what's interesting is I, I find that the concept of MMO player versus not MMO player uh, interesting. You know, it's been it's been uh, almost seven years now since World of Warcraft came out. And you looked at a market that was incredibly hardcore before then. You had a game like EverQuest, Absolutely. which had less than a million subscribers and was considered to be incredibly successful. I think that, that having this game, and, and I have no doubt that... The Old Republic will pull a million subscribers and probably three million in regards to game sales in its first three months. And I have a feeling that it will keep a subscriber base that's at least one million. I don't know how big it will grow, yeah. but I have a feeling it will keep a million subscriber base. And you know what? A million subscriber base is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, that'll make back your hundred million that you've spent on it pretty fast. Yeah, well, yeah. even even three million in box sales will will make half of that back. And, you know, it, it's and there was still I know that they they this kind of fell off, but there were initially, you know, uh, rumors of uh, microtransactions in the game. But I think that fell off in, in favor of the subscription model. But we'll see if it ever reappears. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely has the Bioware feel. I, it has the Bioware production values. I mean, I was really struck by how you know great everything sounded. Of course, it's got a kick-ass opening cinematic. I mean, George Lucas just needs to let these guys make the next Star Wars trilogy. Just let those guys make it, because they're telling better stories than George's. 
but um, it, it's got that Bioware feel. It's just that I was expecting – I asked John when we first found out we were going to be in the beta. I asked John because I had never really seen anything for the game. I was like, wow, you know, the Infiltrator class for the Sith, you know, he's firing a sniper rifle and whatnot. That's kind of cool. Am I going to do that in the game? And John's like, no, you're, <laughs> go- you're going to be right-clicking on people. I was like, right-clicking on people through a scope, right? And he's like, no, none no, of that. No, no, yeah. unfortunately not. And and that's just again it doesn't I don't think it says anything about the quality of the game it just says that me as a non MMO player not really interested it's yeah, not my know, cup of tea and it does it does get better you know those early levels are tough you I'm know? saying the same thing to John about Dark Souls you just got to get through those yeah. opening skeletons and it gets better. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> I I think I mentioned this in the in the preview you know there there were moments where when it's all coming together that. You're like, this is the coolest Star Wars game that anybody's ever made. I mean, there's moments when I was, I, I it was, I was up against a, you know, three uh, flesh raiders or what have you, and you know, I levitate one with the force, push the other one off a cliff with the second, and then hurl a boulder at the third. And you know, and you're thinking to yourself, holy cow, that was awesome. I mean, that is, how many times as a kid have you wanted to do that? But then after that. You know, they rush you, and all I can do is wait for my lightsaber swing to recharge. Yeah, and then you have to go so find it, pants. It's just you're just not quite there. You know, they, it, the moments that are great, I mean, they sing to you. They, the moments that aren't, you know, you are made the worst because of the moments that do sing. I think so. You know, we'll see what happens. Can I ask a dick question? Uh, when has wait when has us telling you yes or no ever stopped you? <laughs> good, good point. Good point. Um, are we happy that this is what we have at a Bioware when it comes to Star Wars, or would we have rather had a single player uh, follow up to Knights of the Old Republic? Uh, I I you know I I don't even think that's a worthwhile question. To you don't ask. think? Okay, I because I. Remember, I never played Knights of the Old Republic. I have it on my computer, and I tried to play it, and it was very archaic, and I really struggled with it. But I was kind of hoping that the next game would be, you know, this sequel to a game series like, that everyone's talked about. I, I, I would like to see them revisit Knights of the Old Republic as as a single player game, but I, I think that it's, you know, it's. I, I think maybe I misunderstood your question because, you know, there, we have a difference in development resources here. You know, this was not developed at EA Edmonton or at EA Edmonton at Bioware Edmonton. You know, this was developed in Bioware Austin, which was a studio specifically created to make an MMORPG. Yeah. Um, you know, if we were to have a Knights of the Old Republic three or whatever, it would have to come out of. You know, if, if Bioware did it, Bioware Edmonton, because, you know, Night Seal Republic is is a LucasArts franchise. It's yeah. not a Bioware franchise. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have Night Seal Republic 2 that was made by Obsidian. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think when I first heard that the, that they were making this, I think I was a little upset just because I wanted to play, you know, the, I wanted to play an update to this game that everybody had been raving about when I didn't have an Xbox. So... You know, it's not what I'm looking for, but I think that if you're an MMO player, if you like World of Warcraft, this is World of Warcraft with Twi'leks instead of um, orcs. Oh, Twi'leks. It's one thing that really, really bothers me. Here here we go. No, no, no. This is is a totally absurd rant. But, okay, so I played a Twi'lek Jedi, 
and I had my training saber, and every time I would put it away, it would go directly through one of my character's head tails. If one of your four races is going to be a race that has giant head tails, you need to figure out those clipping issues. I'm sorry, but that has to happen. <laughs> Can I be the little thing that's like Jabba the Hutt's pet? I wanted to be one of those so, as a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh! there's, there's definitely still a few clipping issues. I fell through an elevator and died at one point. You know, so well, I mean, that that's going to happen in any MMO. You know, yeah, I don't know exactly. how many times I fell through the world in World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah I, I just to the center I, of the earth. I, I loved you know walking around and and they do a really good job of making it feel like a battlefield for the opening smuggler area. But then you walk up to like a group of separatists that don't notice you right away because you haven't pulled aggro on them and they're just kind of like sitting at the base drinking coffee. And then you round a corner and they just suddenly their guns just pop up and they just start attacking you. It just you know it, uh, yeah it, it takes a little bit of a uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, That's I mean sure. mechanically the game is very much an MMO, but stylistically and narrative structurally it is a bioware game oh here is something cool that i haven't seen before in a bioware game and this might have been something that they adjusted very late because i just never noticed it before uh the day after i uh, posted the preview the dialogue options i don't know if they're randomized or if they're intentionally uh trying to you know mess with your expectations but there are definitely some dialogue options where they've got the top option actually is the dark side answer, and the bottom option is the light side oh. answer. And then in another conversation, it was mixed up again. I'm wondering if they added something that randomized it, and that would, I think, would be a really cool mechanic I'd like to see in some of the other Bioware games. That's actually very interesting because that was one of the things that I recalled is that one was the one was the light side option, two was the neutral option, three yes. was the dark side option. Absolutely, and that was the you know that that was when I wrote the preview. That was the way I saw the uh, all the dialogue options, and it played out that way. But you know, the the day after I posted that, I played you know for one more night, and I actually played on the. Uh, uh, you know, the other side, just because I knew we couldn't even talk about it. But the dialogue options had been, it looked like they had been randomized, like complete, and they, they were different, you know, every time, every time they had a conversation with somebody. Well, I hope so, because yeah. I got tired, I got tired of Mass Effect 2 just looking for, like, the red option. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, at that point, it wasn't role-playing anymore. It was just, okay, I'm a dick, I want to maximize my dick points, so I'm going to look for the dick response. Who doesn't want to maximize their dick points? Come it's on. true. It's true. But it, so I, I think making you actually role play, and there, there are actually moments where your response is timed in Old Republic. Like you have to give the response quickly, so you kind of have to sit there and read through the dialogue options. You know, I, I, that that was one of the things that I really liked about Alpha Protocol. Yeah, yes. you think quick. It was that it's like okay, we're going to give you three seconds to choose your dialogue option while they're currently speaking, and we're just going to give you a little clips. It's like, how do you want to react? attitude-wise. And I don't think that, well, I mean, there, there's always a thing in MMOs where you have to assume that the player has some kind of lag. And so I don't know how well that would work here, but I like that, and I wish that, that more games would do something like that. Yeah, I liked it in Heavy Rain, too. I, I really did. I liked it how Heavy Rain would actually blur the options, like you were trying to concentrate. Wait, okay. Um, I actually Zach, like that. Zach, when you edit this, I need for you to splice that together so it's Rob saying, I really liked Heavy Rain. And just ending Boy. it like that? Yeah. <laughs> Please, God, no. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I still Perfect. despise that game, but it did some things pretty well. <laughs> How did Madison get to the bottom of that burning no, no, house? Quiet, quiet, quiet. 
No. How did she get to the bottom? There was a giant explosion. She was in a refrigerator, and then suddenly she's on the bottom street. No, the the fridge flies out the window. No, it doesn't. That's the thing. It doesn't. She's just she's just there. The fridge flies out the window, dude. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I need to calm down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I think we're gonna you know there's going to be other phases to the old Republic beta. I don't know if I'm going to be joining in just because with me it was kind of like going to the dentist. And, so and I'm really interested to see how the game fleshes out. You know, I didn't even get to the you know with with our NDA was you can you can talk to everything up to this point. I didn't even get up to that point because of the issues that I was having with my computer. I want to get up to that point and I want to get further because it, it seems like this game probably has really cool stuff that happens. We just haven't seen it yet. You know, and when you get off world, you know, when you get off that starting planet, I mean, the scope of the thing starts to really become clear and it's don't say anymore. Don't say anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say anymore. It's, uh, so it's massive. It's, it, it's definitely, it's definitely the massive part of the uh, massively multiplayer yeah. online game. There's part of me that really wants to try it again, but I just, I, I know that my first couple hours with the game were very, it, it was very troubling for me. Like I was not enjoying it. I really, I was fighting to stay awake. And if you guys point out things maybe in the next couple of levels in the next couple of hours that might interest me, then maybe I would jump into it. But I think, you know, for right now, it's just another MMO that I'm probably not going to play. I think it's about options, right? I mean, like, you know, if you're a type of person, and Rob, clearly you are, you know, Demon Souls, your type of game, strategizing is your type of game. And early on in this game, and certainly other MMOs, your options, your breadth of options is very small. Yeah. And it stays that way for the first several hours. Because and then it starts to open up, you know, and it starts to open up and you do have more options. You got real- the question is, do you want to, is it worth hanging in? Yeah. Long, what, what, what I think would be interesting for Rob to see is, you know, a boss fight, even in a five man dungeon or a four man dungeon, I suppose, in uh, in the old Republic, oh, yes. where, where you actually have to have some kind of strategy to win. Or yeah. you just get annihilated. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You guys find it interesting that up until that point, we probably could have been talking about Final Fantasy thirteen for how well, I was. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it's like it starts. We could have been talking about Final Fantasy thirteen, oh, uh, where it was like it starts off kind of holding your hand, yeah. limited options, and then it, it's supposed to get good, but it's just. I it think just it's the investment. Hours and hours to get there. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, finding, you know, we're, we're, you know, obviously in the first portion of the show, we're going to talk about Dark Souls, and I. You know, I, I like, we're gonna I like talk about people, Dark Souls. I like how when people listen to this, <laughs> they're gonna be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Because they're not gonna realize that we recorded this before. Uh, yes, before yes. the Dark Souls. Uh, thing. Uh, her, her, her. You have but entered like, a time warp. Finding forty-five hours over the span of two weeks to finish Dark Souls was a challenge. That was really hard for a guy that that works. That you know, I I have a job. You know, I have a girlfriend. I try to you know spend some time with her, although she didn't really want to spend a lot of time with me when I was playing Dark Souls. But like the, finding forty-five hours to spend on that game, it took me a really long time, and it was it was really hard. Like I I can tell that I wasn't doing my job particularly well during those two weeks. But trying so when then when you tell me that a game gets good. I'm sitting there going, is the amount of investment that I need to put into this, is this yeah, to... Yeah, that is the question. You know, and, and I, you know, that, that comes back to everyone's experience with an MMO and why they're actually playing it. I know that I, you know, I played in a massive guild alliance on, on Dark Iron and World of Warcraft, and you know what? The last two years that I played that game, 
I wasn't playing the game because I liked the game and I wanted to play more of the game. I was playing it because I enjoyed playing with the people that I knew well in the game. Yeah, that's the way it was for me with uh, Left 4 Dead. I, I really, I had a great community of guys that we played Left 4 Dead like every night. And that's that just became like our hangout spot. Like, hey, dude, how you doing? Like, you know, meanwhile, zombie jumps on someone, starts tearing out their guts. Like, it, that's I think one aspect of the old republic that I was really missing out on. Being at yeah. low levels and, wasn't working. I wasn't getting the MMO of yeah, the MMO. And, and you know, un- unfortunately, the three of us never actually got to play together. Yeah, well, my guy <laughs> wasn't going to be much help. He just sits there and shoots things really fast. <laughs> He doesn't really do a whole lot else. <laughs> but that's what DPS does. I know, man. My my smuggler was just boring. Just like pew pew pew. Pew pew. Well, like uh, honestly, I, I played a rogue in World of Warcraft and that was my you know, that was my main and you know, even against boss some boss fights in World of Warcraft, I would literally just mash Sinister Strike over and over and over until I had full combo points. Yeah. It it was kinda like um again, it's the Dragon Age argument. Uh, having each control of each character in both dragon age games and being able to like you know cast that fireball over here and then move my rogue into backstab i can see what was that no i'm i'm thinking of the final fight in uh in dragon age 2 legacy and how i still haven't beaten it because the the retarded ai is just so it plays out like a World of Warcraft or an MMO boss fight in that, you know, it's okay, you have to move around during this phase, and you have to do things, and then I'll move around, and the AI is just like, I'm going to stand in the fire. Yeah, they def- <laughs> remember the rock golem fight? Yeah, they did that too. Yeah, that was fun. Having to babysit everyone. No, don't move! Um, and so I think that's one aspect of the MMO that I'm really missing out on, but that's the part of the single-player you know, Dragon Age experience that I love, was like, I felt like I was a battle commander. Meanwhile, you know, if I'm playing with John and Dave, I have to rely on them to do their freaking job, and I don't really rely on other people. So. Well, and, and that's one thing that, that happens no matter what in an MMO, and that's kind of how you get gain community like yeah. the raids that i was in we trusted people because we knew that they could do their job and i think that's what happens in in most high-end raids where you know you're playing with the same people every week you know when i would do blackwing layer or molten core you know the 40-man raids back when when world of warcraft had 40-man raids and you know you had this you know 38 of the same people every week and those other two people were randoms they were pulled from the oh somebody can't make it pool yeah, yeah. Yeah, the amount of coordination necessary is is really impressive, and you really do need real, uh, you know, real battle commanders in those types of situations. Some of those you got to be talking to each other the whole time in the fight. You know, we didn't see any of that yet in in Star Wars, right. and it, you know, to get it back to Star Wars for just a second, you know, they they introduce early on, you know, right around uh, like at least level ten or so, you know, some they call them heroic quests where you're going to need, you know, either another person or an AI companion to be able to complete the quest. And one of the things I think it's cool about that is theoretically it would have the flexibility there where if you had, you know, two or three people and one of them dropped out of the middle of the quest or what have you, you could just bring in your AI companion, you know, to kind of solve that problem. Yeah, it's, like your, it's like your own personal friend that you yeah, can bring in whenever you want. Buddy. Exactly. I like it. I like it. So I, I think, um, you know, Old Republic from what I played of it, I'm not interested, but I think it does some things very well. I think it's doing some new things with the MMO, which is awesome. I mean, I I love Bioware's storytelling. You know, the the people talking back and forth with shot, reverse shot is still kind of fun. You know, it's got great dialogue, great voice acting. Um, I swear to God, if What's-Her-Face, Naomi Hunter, 
if she voices one more character, like she is the female Nolan North, like she's everybody. And now, <laughs> like, did you see the new Diablo three cinematic? Of course she's playing Leah. Like Jesus God. Like one good thing though, Nolan North deserves like whatever video game award for his role as the penguin in Arkham city. He yep. is awesome. <laughs> you heard it here first folks. Yeah. Right there. Nolan North. Awesome. Still hate Uncharted though. So, do we have anything else to uh, say about Old Republic? Or I, I... the last, the last thing I'd say about it is that if you dig Bioware games, storytelling, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd say you probably, it's likely that you do. Uh, it might at least be worth checking out because the notion of you know this never-ending story told by Bioware, I think, has some real has some real legs. And I, I, see what happens. I'm really interested to see how the game plays out beyond what I saw of it. And and that's true for any MMO. You know, I remember when when I uh, when I first started World of Warcraft, I got to level 40 something and I quit and I rerolled on another server. And that was when I really started getting into the game, you know. And that's the other thing I'd say. If you find that you're not you're not really digging on the gameplay or the story early try another class because each of the, I, I tried all four of the Republic class and all this, all four of the stories are very different, you know, out of the gate. You might just find something that hooks you, you know? So did I pick the bad one? Uh, <laughs> it was a DPS class, a range DPS class. Um, range DPS is, is while not the easiest class to play, one of the easier classes to play. It was really yeah. freaking boring. Like uh, melee DPS is pretty much the only thing that's easier. Well, I but Dave, did I play the boring class? What, should I have just been a Jedi? Uh, you know, I thought the trooper story was pretty interesting, but the Jedi story was, you know, I, I thought the, all the stories were pretty good. The smuggler one I thought was a pretty good story too, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that type of class. But you know, I don't think that your basic experience of waiting to press the number one or number two key <laughs> is going to change based on the class you play, at least for not for the first, you know, five to ten levels. Yep. So that part of it isn't going to change. I, I would say my final word on the Old Republic, I, I, a lot of people – and I can't speak to this, but a lot of people say that um, World of Warcraft is a very fun single-player game now. Like you can still have a lot of fun with the early levels, and you can still progress very quickly up to uh, top-tier raid content. It's very fast to get through that stuff. And they say, oh, you know, World of Warcraft is a great single-player game. I would say if you're going to play Old Republic, I think you need to find friends. I kind of wish I had played with John and Dave because as a single-player game, it was not very enjoyable. It was very dull, very boring, but... I think that if you play it with friends, I could see where you know the dynamics of yeah. having you know, the it, you Jedi know, it, helping each other could really get cool. If you have an existing EverQuest, World of Warcraft, EVE Online, RuneScape, whatever, guild, and you have multiple people that are looking to play, I think you're still going to have the same amount of fun that you were having with those people in the other game. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hats off to Bioware. Uh, we got to see how it does, you know, uh, December 20th coming around pretty quickly and yep. i'm sure we're gonna have more previews please tell me we're gonna get to play the empire i mean come on yes we have to be evil maybe that's when Absolutely. i like it maybe yeah. that's when i'll like it is i was gonna I'm say really that's... evil <laughs> i'm definitely in on that i want to kill younglings like i want the first sith mission to be like you just kill a whole bunch of young padawan you, you, look it, it, it takes a really you, dark place it, it, it takes you a while to turn into anakin skywalker 
<laughs> I'm already pretty bitchy. It's not going to take that much longer. No, I, I, I I'm would one bad breakup away, dude. And, and, you know, I, I, I played some of the Empire sign, and I can't say anything. No, no, no. Be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping that the see that's the other problem that could happen. We, I don't know anything about the Empire side, but what if the Empire side is the awesome side? <laughs> you know, because everybody gets real adamant about Horde or Alliance in uh in World of Warcraft. What if it turns out that just one side is the kick-ass side? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I think... servers down. We can't play it anymore. I don't know. Our our accounts are not set up like normal beta accounts. Okay, maybe I need to go back and play. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think I have. To. <laughs> I have to. I have to be on the dark side, guys. I I'm really interested to see how the Empire stuff plays out, and and but we should be hearing back from them soon, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that sooner. But I think the important thing is that you know we're playing this. We you know our our beta access ended like half a week ago. And we're we're playing this still two months from release. You know that that's pretty close to what should be the final product. But you know what? Two months is a long time in MMO time in regards to development. Yeah, lot could know, change. Lot could change. Things could change, and and hopefully some will change for the better. Here's the here's the question. I think that Rob, I think it's clear you're probably not that interested at this point. You know, not having played Empire yet. But if it came out tomorrow. I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't be interested in picking it up. No, it, it wouldn't be for me. And yeah. That, that, this I, isn't. This isn't me saying it's a bad game. I'm just sure, of course. And I think I would be interested in picking it up. I, you know, and I think that that's kind of the the best thing I could say about it is that I played it, I enjoyed it, and I'm interested in you know playing some more. John, um, I I honestly, and this is this is interesting for me. I'm still on the fence. Like I, I'm glad that I have access to the beta, and we'll have access to further beta when we get around to playing the other side. I, I'm not sure. You know, it's been a while since I've, I've weaned myself off of World of Warcraft, and my World of Warcraft play, as I mentioned earlier, was not because I enjoyed the game. Yeah, it was the community aspect. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's a, a big part of, a big part of the MMO. And I haven't played an MMO in. You know, I don't think I participated in an MMO in at least a few years at this point now. So, you know, the time is the time is ripe to pick that uh, you know the pipe back up, as they say. So, yeah. oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> well, one one okay, of the, a hell of a drug. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, one thing that that I you know, I, I honestly when I was playing the older public, one of the things that I thought was, man, I miss Tabula Rasa. Which is a really weird thing for me to think because I didn't play Tabula Rasa for very long. I played it for like two months, but I liked a lot of its ideas. And you know what? I I, I find it truly unfortunate. This really has nothing to do with the Old Republic, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, you had NCSoft that had you know NCSoft, which is king of let's put out this game from Korea and it's going to you know have three million users. They had two absolutely fantastic games on their plate with Tabula Rasa and Auto Assault, games that did different stuff, yeah. games that changed what was going on, and nobody wanted to play them. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, so maybe playing it safe was pretty. I mean, I, it's definitely a calculated move. As Dave started out the whole conversation with, it was a calculated move. They know what works, and so they're going with that. But they're also allowing a, a changing in terms of the narrative structure. So it isn't just World of Warcraft. 
And I think that that's yeah. that should assuage I, some know, fears. Yeah, we we've been calling it World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft this entire podcast. But I think all of us are speaking strictly about the combat. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, not that's the actual the, point. Yeah, the actual narrative is very Bioware, and I think that's what it's going to use to distinguish itself. Is that yeah. enough? I don't. The know. actual narrative is not is as far away from World of Warcraft as you can get. I'd say. You yeah, know? and it's it, it's going out of its way to isolate you as the guy or girl as the case may be world of warcraft dude that is it is very obvious that you are one of many you know in an ongoing battle in an ongoing struggle for supremacy and i think that they you know and and those are that actually works for world of warcraft to say okay you are an alliance dude we need your help you know there there are some quests that pop up that are individualistic and because they are they're that much more awkward like when when they introduced cinematics in in lich king it was like, why am I getting a cinematic? You know, this is a world that's supposed to be evolving with me. And, that, you know, with with uh, zones that had uh, I forget the term that was used now because it's been so long. Oh, phasing zones that had phasing and changed based on how your quests were going. I don't think made as much sense in World of Warcraft because they I mean, if I'm supposed to be a part of this big battle. Why are things changing for me, but not for others? Right, right. Well, uh, I think we've kind of beaten a dead horse. But uh, we're definitely going to have more Old Republic conversations as new sections come up uh, past NDA. So, you know, look forward to those. And, you know, John, I think you're going to keep playing. Dave, you're going to keep playing. We'll, we'll see if uh, anything else about the game intrigues me. But otherwise, we'll probably give the beta key to somebody else just because I want to make sure that we get good reporting on it. Uh, but with that said, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Random Encounter. Uh, subscribe to us through iTunes, through the RSS feed. If you like Dave, you know, say that you liked him and you want him to come back. So I think you held your own, big guy. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, pod- yeah. podcast at RPGFan.com. It's been a couple of weeks since we've gotten an email. I oh. check it. I still check it every now and again. Oh, that is so depressing. You know what? I'll send you an email just so yeah. you uh, well, it, you know, we, we've gotten several people to email us now. And, uh, oh, Rob, we had one... Uh, the other the other week that uh, we had a reader who really wanted you to play Shadow Hearts, so yeah, and I I got I haven't played it since I started my uh, Dark Souls Insanity, but I I was liking it, and I I really do I I want to play it. I don't know if I'm gonna get a whole lot in before uh, Skyrim takes over my life, but uh, I would like to keep playing it. It's definitely intriguing the living hell out of me. So and I love the combat system in the game, like I absolutely love it. So yeah, we'll probably have a Shadow Hearts conversation at some point. Yay. Yay. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Talk to y'all later. Bye.